welcome to episode 8 of season 2, Heliosphere, and uh, Nick Tui. So Nicholas, Nicholas is my my wife's cousin, and um, he's, um, I suppose he's a bit like I've, I've mentioned before, you know, there are some, <clears throat> there are some people in my life who there's just I guess it's that it's just that um, human compatibility thing where for whatever reason when you when you when you sit with them or when you walk with them you you just you just communicate well you just interact in a in a, a relaxed and uh, enjoyable manner and and you I, I being being specific, I I come away I come away from those interactions feeling like you've actually got some kind of a a connection. You've had some kind of a, um, you've actually got to some kind of a, a truth, or you've you've managed to express yourself in a way that that is that is accurate. That to to quote Ted Danson, um, you know, you say what you. You you believe what you say. You mean what you say, and and because uh, I, I find that the 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 opposite can be terribly frustrating if you if you over try and over explain something and you you just can't get there, or if or if you know someone's not listening properly, or you you the things that you say don't come out right, and and then you can just sort of go into this spiral. I find of of just of not really not really getting the stuff out there you want and not really getting from that other person what you know what you're you can't really understand what they're trying to say there's there's all these instances i can think of where i guess i find it hard to communicate with people it's on me it's not it's you know it's on me um but with nicholas uh, the opposite's true I, i i just i just sort of feel every time we we do get together and you know, and it, and it's his his skill as a, um, a sort of empathetic listener, a, a compassionate. A, you know, it's just those basic human skills of of uh, that that should be um, they should be basic, but they're not. They're they're obviously they're obviously um, they're obviously not because so many people don't seem to have that skill of of active listening and you know good eye contact and. And to and to sort of layer on top of that, again, and an, a fascinating series of stories um, with an eloquence, the, an ability to express it, but also you know a deep understanding of things. You know, this not this sense of a you know a, a skimming over the surface of things. Um, and and I love to talk to people that have that have uh, really read deeply and uh can teach me something and uh that are passionate about things and i'm not sure in this case you know that that quite even does justice because what i'm talking about here is faith so this this is the this is uh the first time i've i've interviewed um someone where religion has been such a such a deep part of the conversation um it kind of underpins everything really and in the in the uh in the conversation I had with Nicholas, and that that's simply because he's he um, 
he had an, um, a, a conversion or an awakening, whatever you want to call it. And and since since then, uh, you know, I think maybe nearly thirty years ago, um, has been a devout Christian um, in the, within the Baptist Church. Uh, he's a minister within the Baptist Church or a pastor. Sorry if I got that wrong again, Nicholas. Um, but but you know, for any of you that go, oh, you know, I, I don't want this to be a, I don't want this to be hammering me around the head with the God stuff. You know, that is absolutely not the way that that he approaches his faith. Uh, and in fact, you know, he's got he's got a a lovely way of, of explaining his faith without without being preachy. And if that sounds like a contradiction, he's uh, I think he retains a hell of a lot of insight and um and at the same time doesn't feel doesn't feel shy about describing his faith and more than that he it's not this kind of wishy-washy um you know i'm right you're wrong you know i don't understand how people can't believe in god or any of that He, he 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 really has thought very very deeply about it studied it you know university degree level studied it um and therefore can frame it in 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 terms of history and uh in terms of other religions and 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 that's what i mean by learning something from from him that's what i love to do because there's so much to learn um and and as i and as i said you know when i wrote the the uh the page that if any of you have been on the website and read the the manifesto if you want to call it that you know we've got this thing called the internet um and and it's and it's the whole world's knowledge but obviously it can be hard to know where to look it can be hard to filter and um and certainly there's enough crap on the internet clickbait and gossip and social media and all the other all the other crap that, that uh, sometimes you've got to work hard to get to the good stuff oh god now I'm preaching uh, I didn't mean to what I, what I mean to say is that um, I think whatever your feelings about religion whatever your feelings about Christianity or the other faiths I think I think that you'll be you'll be interested and hopefully entertained by this and um, and if you look at the musical choices that Nicholas made it's possible to see that the narrative of, of his life to this point um and uh, the point where his uh, his faith entered in a strong way um and uh you know striper's not for everyone uh but but i think uh hopefully without without belittling that band or the people that love them i think we we even managed to approach that in a slightly humorous way um and my god the guy can sing all right so Nicholas, again, thanks, my friend, and looking forward to many more conversations just like this one. Be sure to talk about the law. She did mention before we get it, going. It could use a cut, which I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, to me, that looks like it's been recently manicured, mate. Uh, All right. So see, see how they go for, see how they go for everything, and see how your yeah. Your professional voice sounds. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can hear that. Oh, you can tell. Sorry, well, you can tell you're a pro. You, you're used to talking, mate. It's the proximity effect. <laughs> <gasps>
You're the first person to mention the proximity effect in this whole thing. Oh my goodness, you make me nervous now. <laughs> hey, do you, do you ever talk to? Um, do you ever talk to your house guest about what we're just talking? We're, we're rolling, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever, just in case, no. just in case the, the the communist government of of China are listening, do you ever mention the social credit thing or? No, I I raise some things sometimes, like um, uh, you know, talking about questioning the differences how their government runs in China and mm -hmm. and what they think about democracy, being able to vote and. Yeah. Um, mostly, we've had quite a few Chinese students over over the years. Younger, younger, yeah, sort of. Okay, yeah, a couple so, of of uni age, but um, mostly they they seem uh, to give a fairly standard sort of response, which is, uh, you know, they they don't worry too much about it. You know, it seems to be working right, well, and right, and, um, right, right. There's no issues or anything, and it's uh, everyone's secure and yeah. I guess that makes sense, right? You know, I, I suppose people could say the same thing about this country. And, oh, yeah, so things seem to yeah. be, you know. So they don't have strong opinions about it. Yeah. Or or do you think they do and then they're just not yeah, they, sure? Yeah, they don't it. voice strong opinions. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because I think I would, I would be talking about that sort of thing. I'm fascinated to yeah. know what their opinion coming from that sort of environment yeah. would be. And we're talking young, we're talking teenage. Yeah, 15, 16, yeah, 17. Okay, well, then yeah. there's plenty of time for all of that stuff to crowd into their yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. All right. Gee, I, I sort of felt, we shouldn't have started talking about uh, AI and facial recognition yeah, technology and cows in, in Ireland because now I sort of feel like we want, I want to carry that conversation on. Um, so, Nicholas, thank you. Hey, good to be here, Chris. In your house. Yeah. Invite me into your home, which is, uh, again, thank you. Um, your lawn's looking amazing, verdant. Yeah. Lush. Um, yeah, it's healthy. And you've got a, um, is that a classic, um, that, what's the, the Australian? Uh, the, the Hills Hoist? Yes. Yeah, I think that is a, cla uh, that is a Hills Hoist. Boy. Uh, I think it could be about 20 odd years old. Wow. Yeah. Australia, we're in we're in queue. Okay, um, so what I, uh, I I know you've you've been very gracious and, and and I've said to you this this could take some time. It tends sure. to. Um, what I've found is that if we get the ball rolling with your first musical choice, yeah, that, that's otherwise it's like an hour in and we go, oh, we better start listening. Yeah, to no, it sounds good. Um, and I wanted to um, I wanted to mention something that I noticed, and it's it's a, it maybe is a very clumsy observation, but would it be fair to say that your musical choices and perhaps the way that you ordered them reflect in some way your sort of journey. Yeah. yeah uh, initially I sat down to think, how will I do this? And, and I'm 48. Yeah. So I'm in my 49th year. And I yeah. thought, why don't I go seven by seven? Do, do one for oh. each seven years of my life. It's, oh. um, and that's where, oh, that was the one that, that didn't make it was uh, Kiss. Um, <laughs> Luke's going to be very disappointed. Yeah, because that was my first album ever. Yes. Um, well, alive or? or uh, yeah, I think so. Was it, it had I Was Made For Loving You. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So were you the Kiss, part of the Kiss Army? You had the whole... Yep. Yeah. Uh, Saw the movie. sheets and... Mum wouldn't let me go to the concert in Adelaide in about 81, which is probably a fair call. <laughs> <laughs> when you were when you were 11. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... Um, 
Uh, but so the, yeah, I didn't quite. So the, the seven year thing kind of worked a little bit, but there's a little bit of chronology there. Yeah. But yeah, it does represent a bit of a, you know, a, a journey, I guess, through song and and some some periods of my life that those yeah. songs have been significant in. Before we leave Kiss, um, did you never see Kiss then? Have you not been seen? No, I oh. haven't seen them. Okay. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't speak to much of a knowledge. I know that song that you mentioned. Um, I, I, actually, I'm just going to, I have to pause there because I'm not sure if any of my guests until I interview Luke are, yeah. are, are going to pick any Kiss songs. Right. What was it about that whole, you know, makeup thing and, you know, they sold toys, they sold, yeah. they sell a coffin, I believe. Yeah, I think they're they're like one of the first. Mm-hmm. They're kind of one of the first to do the big, maybe glam metal, the the big yeah. hair, or at least perhaps the makeup. I mean, I can't think of too many others that that um, did makeup, but there was, I suppose David there was the Bowie, glam, did, Bowie did it. Yeah, England. You know, there was the, there was Slade and you know Sweet and all those kind of English glam. Right. Kiss were like you said, they were more kind of rocky than, yeah. than glam, weren't they? Um, but the, the you know the commercialization of it and all the rest of it, it just yeah definitely amazing. amazing yeah i've seen gene simmons interviewed a couple of times and he's a very savvy businessman isn't he's he just yeah a brilliant businessman i think perhaps he must have had an influence in that just with yeah. marketing yeah. and yeah. promotion so yeah. yeah yeah all right okay well let's uh, but but we've, we've not got quit we've not got kiss no but are you saying that you came to led zeppelin in your first seven years of life uh, not quite <laughs> although i do remember my cousin marilyn i don't know why i remember this yeah. but her talking about led zeppelin must have been in the late 70s yeah. and um and saying something like oh you know their music's so loud that, that yeah. it breaks windows or something like that right that stuck with me but um, attracted you to it did, led zeppelin, yeah of course so led zeppelin <laughs> yeah probably early teens i yeah. think um and then when I was 15, 16, I got my first drum kit, started playing oh, drums. I was just going to say, uh, so you, so yeah. your love of Led Zeppelin slightly predated trying to play like John Bonham. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and John Bonham's just such a, uh, such an idiosyncratic drummer. Right. Yeah, I think really but, had his own style and rhythm, yes. just pioneered a way of playing drums, which I think others have, have since sought to emulate or... Okay, so I, I'm just thinking back and i'm pretty sure you're yes you're the first drummer i've interviewed so that might be kind to call me a drummer i used to play the drums (laughs) (laughs) you're a drummer Um, we we can we can uh you don't have to be so humble you can be humble later i I did i didn't do too bad yeah all right and so um explain them well three two-part question uh top three drummers in no particular order and um, what is it that makes Bonzo such a legend to almost every sort of drummer I've ever spoken to? Yeah, so I'd probably say Neil Pert from Rush Ooh, okay. is just off the tree. Yes, in terms of um, technique. Yeah, um, I think just understanding music. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. he's just technically was brilliant. Yeah. Um, John Bonham, I'll get to him in a sec. Yeah. I guess the other ones would be, um, yeah, I think um, Ian Pace, Deep Purple. Oh, okay, um, yeah. But then there was, um, I, I think, Rob Hurst from Midnight Oil, you know, is I was gonna, I was, kind of I was one say, of the best yeah. Aussie drummers sure. around. Yeah. Um, Bonham, I th- 
Yeah, he he was just had such a great groove, and he yeah, he underplayed yeah. it as well. So right. he didn't necessarily he wasn't a busy drummer, but yeah. when he when he did get busy, you know, lot, lots yeah. of triplets he used to do lots of triplet stuff. Right. Yep. Um, his setup was kind of you know the one tom up here, and mm-hmm. I think two two floor toms. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. he kind of had a, a lot of bass end to his drumming. So and the, and the triplet would be that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like tom tom bass drum, tom tom bass drum, tom that that kind of stuff. So that that excited me. That kind of style. And then I think he's he used to just do some really amazing offbeat stuff. Yes, and even. The first song is, you know, rock and roll. Yeah. And that cymbal snare. I mean, I, I tried the, for the intro, weeks and months, bit. you know, to, yeah, to yeah, try and yeah. do that, get that, oh, master that. You mean and the I, very start, the way the song yeah, starts? Yeah, yeah. And I don't even still know how he did that. Oh, it just has a has a, a rhythm and a syncopation, which is just really amazing. And then he'd go into kind of 5-8 and cut time oh, stuff. Oh, goodness. He'd, he'd kind of just do some... Yeah, I mean that. What you just said, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's because, and you you probably could tell me, as a, you know, as a musician, as a if I can call myself that. I any think time you can. I've, I've seen you live. <laughs> thank you. Any any time I've I've just even jammed rock and roll, it is a nightmare for me to know where the one is yeah. after that that intro you're talking about because yeah. it feels like it's going to come in, That's but then right. there's a little. Yeah. What is it? It is doesn't that, make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's no. like the start of Black Dog as well. Yeah, that's you know? another one. Yeah. It's like he's just playing with all the guitarists and singers yeah. out there and all of us. But just... somehow he finds his place. And, yes. Um, and yeah, so he, he was kind of, and they were my, you know, kind of sort of cannabis years as well. So I think right. Led Zeppelin were, you know, that sort of band where they just grooved a lot when yes. they were a bit high and yes. they were all good musicians. Yeah. And, and so... There was like a sympathetic listening. You know, <laughs> so you're in the same sort of state. As, yeah, as I think like. so. And okay, and so then, if you're talking about pot or you know weed, grass, marijuana, that might be thought to be more associated with more of the kind of bucolic, you know, the sort of Led Zeppelin three, you know, more acoustic, yeah. gallows pole, yeah. or even no quarter from later on, something yeah. a bit more chill. But you like the. Yeah, the heavier, the, the heavier stuff, yeah. Uh, like dazed and confused. Uh, the first album, right? Yeah. And there's a long drum solo in that. Oh. So I used to listen to that a lot. Did you ever did you ever manage the the drum solo that comes towards the end of rock and roll? The song that you picked, I should say Nicholas picked yeah. uh, rock and roll, if anyone didn't work it out. Yeah. Um did I manage to Did that 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 incredible break where you know, if you cover it, if you're a if you're yeah. a hack cover band, your drummer better be able to do something yeah. like that. I don't think we ever did that song in the bands <laughs> I was in, which was pretty probably about right. A good thing. I don't yeah. think we did any Led Zeppelin ever in a, in yeah. a band I was yeah. in. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, let's listen to it. Oh man, we could spend two hours talking about Led Zeppelin, right? Yeah, um, look, they're phenomenal. Yeah. And actually, just when I did that song to see that it's almost f- close to fifty years old or something, oh, I think it goes back just. to the. Yeah. Early 70s, Spot I think. On. Yeah, like uh, 71, 72. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. The production, they're just everything. I was, I think, uh, and apologies to anyone in season two, I think you're the first person to pick us any Led Zeppelin, which okay. is kind of amazing to me. Yeah. All right, let's have a listen to this great song.
Thank you. Thank you for picking that. Uh, on the space station, you get the whole of Led Zepp 4. Okay. <laughs> That's so, good. Good choice. How, how are you going to go on the, on, on the distant space oh, station, mate? Look, um, I'm feeling more confident. Uh, <laughs> I read the other day that Richard Branson, Virgin are very close to their first commercial uh, flight to space. And I think Elon Musk is, is yeah. on their tail. Yeah. So I'm feeling more confident about space travel. Um, Definitely, and Bezos, I think, from Amazon's funding the other the third right. one, isn't yeah. it? I think he's, uh, he's. I think you're talking 150 thousand a ticket or something. Is what? Is that all? Oh, maybe it was 250. But uh, uh, either, either way, we're probably going to be on one of the first flights. I mean, definitely, me and you. But be rescued as well, actually, from so, the heliosphere. Well, mate, you're a long way out. It's, Are we? Uh, okay. Mm. I mean, I don't know if. You, you saw the other day, I don't know when this is going to get put up, early 19, I guess, but uh, November, I think, about three weeks ago, Voyager 2 moved out of the right. heliosphere. Okay. Um, and, it, and it was launched in 1977. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so it's a run on your play, sure. but Richard Branson, I don't think he's quite... Yeah, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Are you going to be okay with that? You yeah, got, I should be okay. I've got yeah. I've got everything I need. Yeah, um, <laughs> pretty sure. Got, got my mate and guitar. You got you got your guitar. <laughs> we get ahead of ourselves. Um, yeah, I just uh, you know I, I'm, I'm always fascinated because really I don't. Uh, you talk about metaphysical earlier on. I don't know what you see. You know, I don't know what your world looks like, and you don't know what mine. You know, we don't know how we hear things, yeah. right? We can agree that we're hearing the same thing, kind of. Uh, but I'm always interested to hear if people hear lyrics. Or, or, or just music. Yeah, I'm going to make a, a guess that, especially for some of your later choices, is the lyrics are very important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Has that always been the always been the way? Um, I think early on it, it was more the it was more the driving beats, the rhythms, the um, the riffs. I think that's what hooked me in. So in, yeah. in a sense, that's almost more more physical, more uh, you know, sort of. Um, uh, tangible, you know, feeling the bass, yeah. you know, yeah. being at a concert. Yeah. And um, whereas I think, you know, in as you get older, I think perhaps you, you're thinking life is shaped and your, your inner life becomes more, um, you're not so driven perhaps or, or just, uh, I guess if you use the term sensuality, you know, so mm-hmm. phys- physical kind of mm-hmm. um engagement as opposed to maybe intellectual or, or spiritual mm-hmm. so i think um music's still important and i think i would i would kind of not be interested in a song that had good lyrics but really okay. average okay yeah or or poor music mm-hmm. but I, I definitely uh definitely love love listening to words yeah in music yeah more so yeah do you subscribe to the view that you know i mean because a good proportion of that song was "Ooh yeah, ooh yeah." yeah. Um, you know that certain music kind of gets through the gate at our impressionable yeah. time of life. You know, yeah. Um, that, well, definitely. Even if you hear songs now, yeah. sometimes you hear a song that you used to dance to at a blue light disco when you were thirteen. Right. If the, if you went to blue light discos when you were thirteen, you I might did. Need to explain what that is. Um, well, they were run by the. Uh, the the local community but the police were involved oh. so the blue light was the police right, right. so they were these safe discos okay. drug free alcohol free for for under 18s gotcha. and so samantha and i used to go to them down at brighton town hall yeah. um so oh, okay yeah they used to hold them there right. 
and um, Brighton, uh, Victoria, Brighton. No, no, right. Adelaide. Right, right, yeah. okay, right, right. Yeah, right. Brighton Town Hall, Adelaide. So, so you, you dance to these songs, and then as an adult older, when you listen to them, you, you kind of hear, oh, far out, that's really raunchy, or that's really edgy, <laughs> and you realise what they're singing about. Okay. You had yeah. no sense back yeah. in the day necessarily. It was just kind of, it was the rhythm, and it got you sure. moving, and sure. it was fun. But um, Yeah, our tastes evolve, but, but um, yeah, like, I mean, I wonder whether... If we, you know, if we were to hear, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin four for the first time as as a middle aged man, yeah, okay, you know, whether it would have quite the same. Yeah, that's interesting. Impacts, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, whether it, it might have a bit of a, a repellent factor, like yeah, it's like that's just that silly, or, you know, like um, yeah. Well, look, to be honest, I don't listen to Led Zeppelin now, oh, you know, okay. so I haven't listened to Led Zeppelin for years, right? But um, you huh. know, that song was important, just as a stage in my life sure um interesting okay so yeah. right so you, you've really gone all that so you've thought i know you thought deeply about this as a musician and as you know a deep thinker but you've decided to go you know be marooned yeah. on a, a distant space station with with with, yeah. the, with an album that you don't even really listen to that yeah. much anymore and i think that's part of the uh the biography of music so sure. you know those I think that's what music does to us in some ways. It, it, uh, you know, a song can transport you yes, back absolutely. to a place or back absolutely. to a time, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and actually, you know, without getting too anthropological, but I think you know, many cultures, you know, across time, across the earth, um, music and song is a way to mark significant events transitions yeah uh so there might be songs for you know initiation for boys into manhood or whatever it might be so i think you know and then you sing those songs when you're older or they come back to you they they are not just tunes but they they place you back somewhere and connect you to it yeah so while i don't listen to it just listening to it this last week and and listening to that whole album I found myself being taken back to that time. Right. Wow. And connecting yeah. with it again. So it was the, I mean, just like classic, I was, I, you made me think about Bar Mitzvah and, you know, yeah, in, okay. in Judaism, you know, like yeah. I, I just always thought what a wonderful thing, like in a, and, and you know, show my ignorance of, of what Judaism is, but basically a transition from boyhood to manhood. Yeah. And, 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 and these boys that become men sing yeah. this amazing, yeah. uh, I think Hebrew well, that, that's an interesting point because one of my albums was the Book of Psalms uh, in the Bible, which is 150 songs. Yes, of course. right in the middle of the Bible. So they couldn't record then, obviously, yeah. you know, live yeah. music, but they recorded the words. Yeah. And there's also these cryptic uh, Hebrew words throughout, which we think are musical references or some sort oh, of early notation. Is that right? Yeah, there'll be like a word like Selah, you know, after the, uh, this verse. And well, what does that mean? We think it means rest or wait, you know, pause oh, it's like before, a it's like yeah, a, before the next, oh, you do the next stanza. So it's like an instruction to the person that's, that's yeah, singing that's it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and some of them will have in Hebrew to the tune of Lily of the Valley or something. So they had tunes. Right. But we obviously don't know what they are. But that that's a songbook. Wow, it's okay. an album. And I, and I wrestled with thinking... Mm. Because uh, people have put them to music in more modern times, yeah. you know, and I thought, yeah. well, that's an album that's been really significant to me. Then I thought, nah, I better keep it conventional. I don't want to mess with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is your interview. This is uh, so, all, didn't go like, there, but um, uh, yeah, you know, this is this is all about um, you know 
your passions and your story. Um, I, do, I do just have to pause. Um, I was going to say, you know, if anyone has got an opinion, but I'm not opening up the webpage to any sort of a comment situation. Um, although there, oh, there is a bit of a Facebook page for Inside the Heliosphere, but that that out of tune, um, was that something, you know, I, I mean, I, I mentioned to you that the, yeah. to my ears, John Paul Jones was, was certainly on his, oh, I'm just trying to remember how it goes now. I th- I'm, it's either going to be the low E or the A string was slightly flat right? Um, th- throughout the whole thing. And it wasn't, their f- it was obviously their fourth album. Yeah. You know, uh, Could have thought he learned to tune the guitar well, by then. Yeah, and that Jimmy Page is not famous for, um, you know, not paying attention. Yeah, if you know what I mean. He's uh, so I wonder. I've I've wondered. There's another example of it in one of their songs, which might come to me, but it is just so obviously flat. Just his baseline. I'd never noticed it until you pointed it oh, out. Okay, okay. Um, but it was, and uh, I think maybe with books, even editors, there's always like uh, you know a couple of words get through the yes, editing process. And sure. You, li- I imagine them listening to it so often. Yeah, they yeah. just missed it, but yeah, it was there. I guess I'll have to ask Jimmy Page when I yeah finally sure get to. Maybe that's why he doesn't do interviews now. He's too embarrassed about <laughs> that like, song. Oh man, I hope they don't talk to me about that. <laughs> That yeah, flat, no, right. that flat bass line. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, just to um, just to explain our relationship a little. Yeah. Um, so we we just met Mark outside, and and I, I was I, I actually felt um, very pleased when I heard you describe me as your cousin, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, and we 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 wondered whether there was a cousin-in-law term. Yeah. Twice removed or something. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you maybe just explain what our relationship and I could try and work out how long we've known each other. I th- yeah, well, it would be, um, uh, well, you've been married, what, 12 years or something? Uh, yeah, good call. 11, I think 11. 11? Yep. So it's going to be a couple of years before that. Yeah, I think at so. Least. Um, I think in like the Greek side of the family. So Chris, yes. you married my cousin Tina. Yeah. And uh, her dad, Jim, and uh, my late mum, Connie, were brother and sister. Yeah. Um, but kind of on that Greek side, even my second cousins and third cousins, we, we refer to each other as cousins. Okay. okay. So it almost probably gets to the point like, you know, the postman who walks past the, the house long enough eventually becomes a cousin right. by proximity. Okay, yeah. But uh, maybe that's an exaggeration. Yeah. But, so I, I just assume, you know, you're married yeah. to Tina, my yeah, cousin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my cousin. Yeah. I just, I mean, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll just refer to Luke as my brother because yeah. it just seems, seems uh, more tidy, but it also seems like a way to have some sort of an increased bond as well. Yeah. You know? And I've always felt, uh, envy's not jealousy's certainly not right envy's probably even too strong but I've always um, had a kind of fascination for your complex not complex yeah well your complex family because you've got yeah. you know you scratch the surface yeah. and oh my goodness it gets complex quickly right it is yeah it's a huge family um, and, and as you mentioned at least partially two three generations go Greek or, yeah. or Greek Cypriot yeah um, Growing up, was that a big part of your identity? Was it forced upon you? Was it that terrible fifties? Yeah. No, sorry, that's that kind of seventies, you know, racism that we know and love in Australia well, still. Look, the weird thing is that um, you know it was only later in life that I, I 
probably into my 20s when I, I thought, yeah, actually, I'm half Greek. Oh. Um, so we, we had one Greek guy at the school that I went to high school. Like yeah. his mum and dad were Greek. Yeah. And his nickname was Wog. Oh, boy. Uh, which that's is, what I, you know, <laughs> that's what the uh, era was, that right? Classic the, 70s racism. Yeah, it was kind of early 80s high school. Yeah, and, okay. um, and so, but the funny thing is, you know, I got on with him, but I, I never saw myself as a is Wog. That right? Though effectively I was half a Wog. Huh. Um, but my, my mum, she had it. Um, and, you know, your father-in-law, Jim, and, and their siblings, they got it pretty heavily yeah. when they went to school yeah. in, the, in the 40s and 50s, yeah. you know, kind of the garlic munches and yeah. that sort of thing. Lots of, um, uh, you know, abuse came their way like that. But, um, yeah, I didn't really – it's only in later years I've, I've appreciated more and kind of yeah. owned um, – that that dual ethnicity, if you like, you know, mm-hmm. Dad's side is Scottish and Irish for back, you know, yeah. heaps of generations, and Mum is, uh, you know, Greek and Cypriot mm-hmm. back, and mm-hmm. so I think it's helped me understand myself more too, because there's there's just been times I feel like, um, you know, I've I've never really fitted in in different places, like okay. I felt I've been in the middle a lot, okay, uh, it, you know, like Dad was a you know, sort of straight-laced, you know, executive, um, liberal voter. Mm -hmm. You know, mum was this hippie alternative, you know, Labor, Greens kind of Mm. um, person, free spirit, and Mm. they're both so different. And and I feel like I've I've got, you know, a bit of each of them in my life. So foot in each camp almost. Yeah, and and with the ethnicity, um, I, I hadn't really seen myself... In, in, a, in a Greek sort of way, yeah. but then I've seen over the years how how I um, how we relate in that family side. Yes, is you, you may well have noticed this. Uh, you know, it's different to maybe a, a mainstream Anglo way of relating. Yes. It's it's less polite. It's less discreet. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's more in yeah. your face. Okay, yeah. And less you know, polite. You, I like that. <laughs> you you speak and then you deal with the mess that right uh, mate, you incurs. So you, what, you're not saying that you. <laughs> I just had this this picture of a family gatherings. Everyone's just being rude to each other. You don't mean that. You mean that there's. Well, there's a you bit mean of there's that. no. <laughs> but it's not that um, that buttoned up, that classic buttoned up sort of no. British. Don't say what you mean. That's right. It's less filtered. Right. right. And so I've noticed over the years, yeah. I'll get into trouble because even in the church context, where I'm a right. pastor, where yeah. people yeah. just I'll come across as full on. Yeah. Or yeah. I can't believe you said that, or whatever really? it might be. Oh. And so for Amanda, my wife, you know when when she first started to meet the Greek side of the family, particularly yeah. my mum, my sister, yeah. um, you know, I'd sit there at breakfast, uh, you know, over in Adelaide and, and they'd be on either side of me, you know, sort of finger, hand on hip, you know, pointing finger. Yeah, this, you is, know, this is your mum and Samantha. Yeah, you know, speaking, yeah. tell, telling me off or whatever and we just have this way of speaking and yeah. Amanda would sit to me, oh, you guys are mad. Like, <laughs> You know, her family is much just, more, if you've got nothing nice to say, yeah, don't say, don't say anything. Right, and right, even right. if you don't express when you're upset, yeah. you, everyone just goes quiet and, yeah. you know. Just um, bottle that stuff up. Yeah, so it's different yeah. worlds, different ways of, as you said before, the way we see the world. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, so the Greek thing more so as the years have gone on, I've realized... No, I definitely have some traits and characteristics. And, yeah, right, it's not interesting. And I feel yeah, yeah. I feel at home or I feel more understood. So when I go back to Adelaide right. for those gatherings, right. there's a sense of I feel more relaxed, like right. I'm understood a bit yes. more. Or, okay. Um, okay. 
people get me perhaps more. So okay. that, yeah. that's interesting. That's a great answer. So um, uh, did you did you go to uh, the, I believe it was like Greek schools and things, learn the Greek language, do that kind no. of thing? No. Never did that? No, because uh, I didn't want to. I think that uh, was part of that that fear. Um, I mean, I was uh, had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. But this Perhaps, is in, we're in Adelaide. Yeah, in Adelaide yeah, yeah. as a as a, as a uh, you know nine, ten, eleven year old, early yeah, teens, yeah. Um, and my mum, you know, she she was a she was quite dark skin because mm, she liked mm, a suntan, mm. so she she was almost like it looked like a you know an, an African American. Right. She had a black, she um, had the really curly, perm, yeah, 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 really like yeah. with the pick, you know. Yeah, she had yeah. this afro happening, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I used to get embarrassed when she'd come to pick me up at school. Really, and you know I'm ashamed to say it, but she didn't yeah. look like the other mums yeah. uh, at Dover High School who were picking up their kids. Right. Um, and so I even, you know, to my regret, confess that sometimes I'd ask mum to park around the corner right. when she came to pick me up because I had this sense that mum was different right. to all the other kids' mums. And what sort of age uh, you talking about there? Uh, probably 9, 10, 11, yeah. you know, primary school. And um, It's when you start to feel that, that self-consciousness though, isn't yeah. it? When you start to yeah. actually think, uh, uh, worry or even be aware that people perceive you in any way because yeah. you know, when you're three you're just barreling through life and who cares yeah know, that's right yeah, that's so the, there was a sense of knowing that that at least my family was a bit different to yeah. to the other kids yeah yeah. Um, I think uh, I shouldn't speak for uh, Tina and, and Luke but I I, I think that the, the accepted narrative is that they may have you know for a short time you know gone to the greek school and, and and but 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 i think felt so self-conscious and with the whole wog thing as well yeah. you know whether it was overt nastiness racism bullying or just a sense that it like you said you just felt that it was just different and they they, yeah. put, they pulled away from that and i don't know if regret's too strong but i know ten would love to speak greek yeah now, me too you know yeah, about seven years ago, I enrolled in Box Hill TAFE and oh. did a did a semester of Greek, you right. know, and, and I didn't follow it on, but um, you know, I'd love to speak Greek now, yeah. and um, and I may well continue at some stage. Yeah, it gets it. embarrassing when you get introduced to a Greek person in a I Greek know. restaurant and they start. Oh, you're Greek. I just kind of say micro Hellenica, which I think is like just little Greek, tiny bit of Greek. I can tell that just from going to med school. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, gee, it's been. Um, I suppose every generation must think this, but gee, we've 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 passed through an incredible change, though, yeah. don't, haven't we? You know, um, all the way up to, you know, the, the social media driven hashtag, various sure. bits and pieces. Yeah. But um, and it, and it's very fashionable, I think, for some, you know, in some. Oh, you know, things were better back in the day, but there was an awful lot that wasn't right about yeah. about those yeah. unenlightened or whatever you want to say. Yeah, for sure. Days, you know. It's hard to imagine anyone being discriminated so overtly on the basis of ethnicity. Of race, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, I think it, um, you know, I sometimes wonder when you, when you look back like that and can see the errors of the past, mm. um, I think, makes me think what are we doing now that right. those in 30 40 years because obviously yes. they weren't there going you know yes absolutely isn't yeah. this wrong yeah. i mean some people were it yeah. was just how the culture was yeah. it was yeah and and to be fair like I, i'm an equal opportunity you know um yeah, with human nature i think you know i've been to yeah. vietnam i've yeah. been to india I, i've seen racism in other countries sure. um yeah. with with ethnic groups with minorities and yeah. and so i think you know we certainly the, the Anglo-Western world has had its 
um, it's bad season of racism and yeah. and ethnic um, misunderstanding, but it's it's a universal thing. Yeah, yeah. And and I've seen yeah. it in in other cultures too. And, that's yeah. that's that's tough to take, isn't it, as a human to know that you know we're, we're potentially you know scratch the surface and there's yeah. in all of us. You know, I saw this hilarious um, bit by a, a Chinese stand-up comic uh, recently. And I just thought it was so clever the way he turned the tables. Um, and the, I, won't, I can't remember the bit exactly, but his, his point was that he's been welcomed into Australia. Um, he, he said, uh, it's, it's great to be, you know, great to be here in Melbourne. Oh, no, I think he might have said, it's great to be here in China. I mean, Melbourne. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what the hell's going on? Sure. No, you know, I don't, and, and he, of course, you know, everyone in the audience is white and Australian. They're all kind of laughing. And, and he said, look, what's with this complete aversion to racism? Like you guys are being so nice to me if this was my, you know, right. and, yeah. and, and it's just interesting. There's just such this, there's, there's this kind of uh, almost this guilt, isn't there about, yeah. about being white and, and, you know, yeah. middle class or, you know, whatever it is uh, that, you know, that we tie ourselves in knots wondering who we're offending and what. Yeah. It's yeah. become um, more difficult to, to just be relaxed about what you say these days. <laughs> could be exhausting, right? Yeah. Uh, we probably should uh, we probably should move on before I put my foot in it somewhere on the line I'm sure well, you can have. edit it out yeah, the, I've got the this isn't live no no we're, we're no we just we we just go with what we're saying um, uh, now when I went this is how professional I am I, I got you to tell me your favourite drummers before yeah and you know where I'm going to end up going with this is song two basically mm. um, now to this day I've never seen a drum solo played on a, a corrugated, you know, iron water yep. tower. Uh, and yep. with you, I had that. Yeah. That last great year experience last year. And um, what, what? Sorry, what's the chap's name again? The uh, Rob Hurst. Rob Hurst, right? Yeah. Right, right. Now, the song that you picked, I, I, I've got to say, I think this is the worst album title in history. Because yeah. Everyone just calls it Ten to One, right? Even yeah, that's what's. Yeah. Right, right, even that. What? on earth happened to allow that drummer to play that drum solo in that song is there a, do you know the story behind it no i've got no idea um i mean he he was kind of a driver in the band so he's got a really yeah. good voice rob hurst right. so he right. he's he's sung a number of tracks on midnight all albums oh, um, like not, not backing vocals actually. no he's yeah. sung like i think best huh. of both worlds and others he's yeah. got he's got and in fact he's probably got a better voice than peter garrett but <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, maybe not quite so distinctive as yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think he he was a fairly prominent kind of charismatic figure in the band, right? And, right. And and he's drumming. He used to even stand up when he played the drums, right. yeah, and yeah. he kind of he, he was imposing yeah. as a drummer. He looks imposing. He's got, yeah. he's got the guns, doesn't he? That's Still, right. Like yeah, his... and I, I think you know maybe the others were just too scared not to let him have a drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm gonna, you know. <laughs> but it wasn't just the drum solo. I mean, let's not forget Moby Dick with with our mate Bonnet. Yeah, I mean, sure. That went on for like half an hour. That's but, right. Yeah. But um, well, I mean, I'll let because there'll be. I know there'll be people listening that. Well, potentially I don't really know Midnight Oil but they probably know Beds Burning or whatever yeah. but if they don't know this song it is a remarkable drum solo because yeah. it's just all over the place isn't it yeah it's, it is and it keeps with the rhythm like the there's some bass keeps going and some sure. some accompaniment and the, the classic thing about the drum solo is it 
is it finishes, and I wanted this to happen last year when I saw them live. Right, right. It finishes with, with, with someone throwing a glass on the ground, oh. something crashing, but he obviously doesn't do it live. Can't but it's just the end of the drum solo is, is like yeah. a glass being thrown on the ground right. and just smashing. Like, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always oh. love that. Um, huh. So you, So you'd have... I'm seeing a what uh, early teens, yeah, yeah. So mid mid teens, I reckon that album's must have been eighty four or something. Eighty. So is this pre bed spurning? This is. Oh yeah, this is this is is, um, one of their very early ones. I think um, maybe three albums in. Oh okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm picturing you. This was their more breakthrough album, I think. Where they they really got some. Good airplay across the country. And a few singles. Yeah. I mean, this was a huge single, right? Yeah. It's an iconic song. Iconic I think. song. Yeah. And, and we're talking about, what's the name of it again? The, uh, this is... Um, the Drummer or... No, no, no. Sorry, the, the name of the song. I'm just... Ten to One. Oh, Power yeah. and the Passion. Power and the Passion. Thank yeah, you. That, Thank that's you. Just, kind yeah. of the... Power and the Passion. You know, one of the big songs off the album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... And so you would have listened to this over and over. Rewind the rewind yeah. the cassette or drop the needle. Were you a were you uh, cassette? Probably would have been cassette. Um, I bought my first cassette player when I was thirteen yeah. in uh, Ellie Beach in yeah. Queensland. Yeah, and uh, it was a nice nice system. Ellie Beach you know. in Queensland. What's, how does that fit into your story? Oh well, holidays. Yeah, yeah. Well, so mum, my mum and my sister. Yeah. Uh, when I was thirteen, my, my kind of the the emblem of my life is everyone leaves me. It's oh a great God, great really? title for a book. But um, oh. so <laughs> when I was thirteen, oh, mum and you just took a sad turn. Like well, look, you know, when I was when I was five or six, dad left. You yes. know, he kind yeah, of yeah. Um, remember standing at the end of the driveway and oh. me and my sister crying and oh my God. dad backing out with his oh. stuff in the car. So that was that was oh. that was one. And then when I was twelve, just turned thirteen, my mum and my sister, who I was living with, they they left and left me with my dad and my stepmom and um, and went for just a few months up the coast to just travel a little bit. Yeah. I think Sam was about 15. Yeah. Uh, and so then they, they didn't like, come... She's two, three years old? Yeah, two and a half years older. Yeah. So they didn't come back. So they stayed up there for five years. Oh, boy. And so I, I moved up. I used to go up holidays for probably two years. I went up for holidays, Christmas holidays, yeah. for eight, six or eight weeks. yeah. 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 And then in 1985, I moved up there, and um, okay. so it might have been actually it might have been 85 when I bought my first um, sort of boombox. So you moved to Ellie Beach. Yeah, I moved to Ellie Beach. Yeah, I went to school in Proserpine, right. uh, the sugarcane town, and um, lived up there for most of the year. Wow, yeah. that's I mean. Uh, yeah, my my uh, my facade of, of professional detachment crumbles straight away because that's 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 some pretty heavy. Well, there's lots of heavy things what you just said, but that point in your life is is you know just just yeah, it was full on. So. And, and I, I was just in a restaurant the other day um, or a cafe with Amanda, mm. and this song came on, and mm. just back to that theme of songs transporting you back, mm. and it was Richard Clayderman oh, yeah. and uh, you know the pianist yeah, dun, 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 and yeah and and he this song came on and I went you know this song I said to Amanda when when I came back from saying goodbye to mum and Samantha the night before they left the morning after I came back to my dad's house and just my stepmom was home mm. And she was cooking dinner or something and she was playing Richard Claderman. And I remember going to the the bathroom or the toilet, not because I needed to go, because I just had to cry. And I sat oh. in there crying and while Richard Claderman's playing in the yeah. background. So when I hear that song, it takes me back to that time as a thir- just turned 13 yeah. and my mum and my sister who I'd lived with for, you know, the last eight, 
years just were going well they were leaving me um and um and ostensibly it was because uh my first semester at high school i i bombed out i was Mm -hmm. erratic and class clown and didn't do very well and so the idea was we'll go and live with dad for a a term it was straight straight you out yeah three term year and 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 as it turned out, my my results got better, and I, I did do better at school and mm. and so forth. But mm. at least for a little while. So yeah, that that idea of the music taking you back when I hear that song oh. takes me right back to that sense memory, right? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh man, like I think. All right, I think we need to pause there to um, to just let that story sit um, and and listen to what's not a sad song at all. It's like a dry no you know energetic yeah it's an exciting song and i think it it's one of those songs that um i I could have picked in excess Mm -hmm. uh the models um you know a number of australian rock bands australian crawl uh so this one kind of is emblematic of of all the australian rock that influenced me through my teen years and uh and this one won out just yeah. over in excess, listen yeah. like thieves, oh. and the song "What You Need." Right, great yeah. song as well. I'm glad. I mean, I'm obviously this song obviously has a part in our story, yeah. your, your story, yeah. and my our, our story together, um, which I, I definitely just want to talk about that amazing, yeah, sure, you know, time in in uh, up in far north Queensland. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I just net. I just like to let everybody that's listening to this just let those. Yeah. Uh, let those words just sit because uh, I don't think I have anything to add. Uh, sure, you, t- you told it oh, in a heartbreaking way.
mate, just in time for the denouement, the crescendo. Just that's you, you kind of. I don't know, I've heard that song a fair bit, I guess, but you made me listen to it uh, with fresh ears, you know, and there's a lot going on, man, in that song. Yeah, I know. I mean, that that drum solo, it sounds like he's just gone into his garden shed and he's just trying every little... He's picking out sort of tools. Everything, <laughs> like pots, tools, <laughs> he's whacking. And, and that, that constant, the thing that you, uh, you said about that constant beat that's going... It, it, it's a very 80s synthesized yeah. like, he's like I've got an octopad or something yeah, and, and a synthesized definitely. drum sound with yeah. this very uh, analog you know garden shed sounds as well yeah. kind of yeah like, it's phenomenal isn't it I mean I, you can't generalise but gee whiz that, that was uh, you know was that early as you said 84 yeah I think so I reckon it was yeah I had it um, had it written down but um, yeah it certainly when yeah I think What's I said, I put it in the pro forma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> just put the, I've got it. Well, I've, I've got your pro forma right here. We can, we can, yeah. We can fix that for I mean, everyone. Eighty two or eighty, eighty four, maybe. Yeah, right on eighty two. Spot eighty two. Yeah. Um, you know, just so kind of um, uh, innovative, not the right word. Um, you know, they're just taking so inventive, taking so many risks, yeah. doing so many unusual. Yeah, things. it is, isn't it? Because yeah. it's it's an underplayed drum. It's kind of a downplayed drum solo. So it's not yeah. just a massive stuff happening. And it, it does take a you know you're talking sort of sixty seconds, yeah, ninety seconds. You know, it's a fair that's chunk like, of the song. And they're aiming for like the popular market. That's right, yeah, your three you minute know, song. Amazing. But um, uh, good even on the bass, even the bass at the end, he was doing some incredible, almost like playing a guitar solo. Yeah, okay. Uh, on the they're bass. all really good musos oh, in, in the Yeah, the yeah, two yeah. guitarists and um, yeah. I think I heard years ago that when they did a couple of their first gigs in Sydney, yeah, I think Manly, wherever it was, yeah. that someone came to a manager and said, I'll take you on, but get rid of the lead guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Peter Garrick, yeah, you know, he's just such a, an interesting character. But it's like, yeah, we'll take you on, but get rid yeah, of the lead yeah. guy. It's like but one of those classic, you know, the guy that didn't sign the Beatles or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know so much, don't you? <laughs> How did that work out for you, mate? Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, what else was I going to say about that, Al? Um, about that song? I mean, I guess, but well, now's, now's a, a good... Good a time as any. I mean, I was, I was, I was obviously, I, I wasn't surprised because when we, when we were lucky enough to see that incredible concert together, yeah, it was amazing. Um, which was certainly one of, and I, and I, I, I promise you, I'm not saying this because you know, uh, this is your choice, but that was one of the greatest concerts of my life. That was, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, just even the the environment in yeah. the rainforest. Well, I mean, so what I was going to get, not bad, mate. What I was going to say is like maybe just tell me your memories of, of that night of that that, that hot that hot, that time that we we enjoyed together yeah look again it's that that word transport so it mm. took me back yeah you know i mean periodically i listen to the oils i've got a bit of a, a best oils play mix sure. you know my iphone sure. uh so they're, they're a band I, ha- I have listened to over the years yeah, yeah. but i think it was that just sense of for me just a, a different headspace. I remembered how much I loved live gigs. Yes, used yeah, to go a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was pretty casual. I got, just walked down the front. I was right at the front of That's the stage. Right. You know, yeah, you saw me down there bopping yeah. away. Um, and um, it just, it was great. It just took me back to yeah. that sense of, you know, I, I loved live bands. And I saw the Oils live in probably 88. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah. So that was gig two that you saw yeah so it was a second gig yeah. so i may have even seen him a third time i yeah. i my memory fails me but yeah. saw him in about 1988 at yeah. theberton town hall uh-huh. in in adelaide 
um, town halls. That's a pretty yeah, uh, a packed in gig, a pretty small. Yeah, I held a couple of thousand, oh, so I think oh, it had an okay. upper level, lower level. Okay. And um, and then this gig, but I was just, I mean, Peter Garrett's like sixty two or something, oh, which is yes. not old in today's amazing, terms, but amazing. They, they'd been on a a one year yeah, kind of tour, yeah, and they were coming yeah. to the end of it. Yeah. And his energy, all of them, were just remarkable. Yeah. Uh, so he was, yeah. Well, I mean, just you, you sort of almost at first you sort of thought, well, he's he's not going to be able to keep that up. But yeah. He did. Didn't <laughs> he did. He? I know. He kept going. Did he? What? You know. Um, um, so what point? Because I mean, I I very clearly remember. Um, no, I'm trying to search for the right words. Not a change, but I uh, I remember getting us a, a real enjoyment from your obvious excitement and yeah. the sense that you were transporting, if if yeah. to use your word, and uh, which was kind of underlined by you know your sister Samantha and and your yeah. cousin Tina, my wife. Um, getting a, a sense of joy from your joy as well because they knew yeah. or their narrative was that they knew how much the band meant to you yeah um and and so it just kind of that just kind of wrapped around the whole situation yeah. you know do you remember do you remember when you got because we we drove up uh, yeah. it was coranda amphitheater that's right and do you remember what you know how how things started to build for you and I think probably at the gate. I mean, yeah. for one, you lost your keys, and then we we just looked around, and you were gone. And, and I forgot the and I forgot the I tickets you, as well. Don't forget, I forgot yeah. the tickets too. So yeah, like, so you lost your keys. Yeah, you forgot yeah, the tickets. tickets yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks, and so one. that created some drama, which was which helped just get that that vibe a bit of adrenaline going. Yeah. going. Is Chris going to actually get into yeah. the, the gig? So um, <laughs> so that was good. But it, it was that sense of look. This might be a strange word, but it, it had a sense of pilgrimage about it. Sure. So, you know, all these people from all over yeah. uh, had had arrived, descended on Coranda. There's at least a couple of thousand there, two Absolutely. or three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's in the forest, you know, yeah. we're walking down little pathways yes. and it had this sense of, of pilgrimage almost. Yes. And we shared this experience. Yeah. So I think yeah. I, I love the venue. I love the isolation of it. And, um, and I think for me, the last 20 years working as a pastor, mm. it, you know, maybe for some people it's not, but for me it's pretty immersive work. It's sure. very, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, even physically at times. It's it's kind of an engaging, immersive work, which... You're never off, right? You're never yeah, off. yeah. And so even to do that at the start of the year when my sister called and said, hey, you know, what if I buy you a ticket to the oils in Coranda, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, do you want to go? Yeah. And I had a chat to Amanda and, and, uh, and she's like, yeah, go for it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. let's do it, you know. Yeah. And probably a few years earlier, I might have said something like, oh, look, I'm not sure what might be happening there. Sure. You know, I could have a wedding sure. or I need to check things out, yeah, you know. And, yeah. and so it was that sense of me just getting away. Why do you think that was? Um, I, I think I'd come more to a point in recent years that um, I don't have to be on all the time. I don't have mm. to um, give all of my, my life and time and energy to pastoral okay. work. Okay. Uh, so... So I'm, I'm guessing it would take yeah. up as much as you've got to give, right? You, you could yeah, just... I, I think so. I, I think um, there's there's always lots happening. There's always lots of need, mm-hmm. um, and and I think in that too, it was just that space to be with family to yeah. do something that I enjoyed, and um, yeah, it was it was very refreshing. Yeah, and, and a real highlight. And I've got the t-shirt to prove yeah. that I was there too. <laughs> yeah, you got the t- Do you still wear it? Yeah, but, it? yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I just loved when you, 
uh, you know, it was like clearly you were enjoying it, but I loved when you said, you know, I'm going down the front, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> well, I was surprised people weren't really making a move, you know, like, yeah, because um, it, was, it was pretty clear to there begin for a while. with, there was a whole like it was there was a, yeah. 10 people maybe that's right uh, and you're not sure no so I, I kind of you yeah. know moved my way through there and it got it got a bit there was a couple of um <laughs> a couple of buffets down there at one point and the security came out and and they were that's really right. pushing people around that's one guy right. was i don't know if he was he was on something but i guess they weren't pushing you around though no he did a couple of times mm. but um i I had this guy in front who yeah. the whole time, pretty much as soon as it started, he had his hand up oh, like this. Yeah. Um, sort of like a Peter Garrett. There's a there's an iconic image of a hand oh, yeah, yeah. on one of the All's albums, and it's Peter Garrett's hand. Like they used on the T-shirt. Like yeah, the, on the T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's sure. that's okay. kind of this iconic mm. Oil's okay. sort of logo. Yeah. And he had his hand up like this the whole time. And I found out later, because I joined... Uh, the Midnight Oil Facebook fan page for a while. Of course you did, mate. Yeah, I, I got off it eventually because so I just got too many messages <laughs> on Facebook. I thought I liked them, but I'm not that. Yeah, that yeah. Um, but this guy apparently, his name was Alan, I think, oh. he had been to every concert so oh, far on the tour yeah. and went to all of them. That's amazing. Because I posted some pictures and I'm like, yeah. oh, check out this guy in front with a hand. You know, he, yeah. he the whole night he was just sort of head banging his hand up he yeah. loved it and someone posted oh that's alan so-and-so yeah. he's um he's been to every concert so that's almost that's like the spiritual almost like the you know in the in the american baptist <laughs> like a, churches like like a, the, yeah down south church yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, a spiritual closed. experience but he he was uh, he was right into it yeah. well everyone needs something to believe in right and and you told me that wonderful story about um your, your friend and member of a congregation who's who's sound sounded to me like uh part of the way he dealt with the you know the 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 difficulties in life in some way to, was to have something to play and his thing was to travel around the world and yeah. and get these um autographs and that struck me as a very pure and easy to latch on to i understood exactly what yeah. that guy was doing um and whether it's going crazy about you know collingwood or or, or whatever your yeah, team sure. is or yeah you know, people do and we'll and we, clearly we we're going to loop into um, into your faith uh, in a bit, but um, that that level of um, dedication to a band yeah. is touching on uh, the religious, isn't it? In a in a way, yeah, you know, yeah, I think so. Without meaning to be a heretic, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, clear. No, it is, Chris. I, I as I understand, you know, my worldview of of humanity is that we are. Um, you know, as Rene Descartes said, you know, I think, therefore I am. Yeah. But Augustine, who predates him by a thousand years, one of the first great theologians of the sure. church, yeah. pretty much put it, I, I love, therefore I am. Huh. So we're, dri- we're driven, beautiful. we're driven, he didn't say it in, in exactly those words, but we're driven by our heart passion mm. our, our love mm. and we can't not love mm. so just like you can't not think right mm. um so that's descartes so that's the center of our consciousness mm. that's the proof mm. of our existence mm. i think therefore mm-hmm. i am mm-hmm. whereas augustine took it back further which i, I think is a, a more full of you that actually we we are what we love and yeah. what we have to love so yeah. we, we have to devote ourselves to something yeah um, be it you know parenting family friends football club yeah. band God, we we can't not kind of give our heart to something. Believe in something greater yeah. than ourselves, potentially. Um, Augustine would be Greek, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, Macedonian or something. Yes, yes. Um, Put you on the spot, he might have yeah. been African. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's like Northern else. Africa. Really? Yeah. That's something. Mate, you should know that. You've yeah, stu- I should. You've know studied that. this stuff. Um, I'm just making it up. Um, <laughs> um, okay. I'll have to Google that later. <laughs> Everyone can Google. Look, look, if you're listening to this and it's driving you crazy, there's this thing called Wikipedia. <laughs> he was a monk, though, right? Yeah. Augustine, the monk, even I know that. Yeah. Um, well, he, he was a wild guy, though, beforehand. He was like a Rasputin type of monk. No, no, as in wild, as in um, oh, he, he, he was a non-believer. Oh, he, so his mother was very devout. He had a conversion. Yeah, yeah, right. and she, she prayed for him for many years, but he was a very wild kind of average guy. Um, and uh, and I think he's, he's, one of his famous lines is, is Lord, make me chaste, but not right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he said a lot more than that. But I'll relate to this guy. That's one thing he said. Yeah, so. good on him. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up he may be a bit of an inspiration for you as well. Well, maybe we'll possibly. Touch on, maybe yeah. we'll touch on that. Sure. Um, you did say nothing's off the... Okay. <laughs> I did say that. I may live to regret it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, okay. But uh, in traditional uh, inside the heliosphere um, disorganized way, um, let's, let's, uh, let's loop back to you know, uh, the music of the very early, very early sort of time in your life, you know? Um, so you said that you went to live with your father, Ross. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, um, I don't know if Ross will listen to this, uh, your dad, but in his life, um, music, was there much of a, yeah, dad, dad was a classical animal. So, and I, I classical I, music. Yeah. So his, his kind of thing, you know, Sunday night, be sitting there listening to Beethoven or yeah. or something Tchaikovsky yeah. Bach um, and in my teens that, that music it's interesting that it was kind of repulsive to me huh. uh, and uh, I think it's back to that more you know the, the, the lower sensation of, of thumping bass and drums kind of as a young guy mm. but classical music was, was almost poisonous to my senses set your teeth on edge yeah, yeah. Um, and then and yet now, um, you know, I really have a great appreciation, mm-hmm. uh, even just culturally in the West, you know, yeah. the classical music tradition is, yeah. is just amazing yeah. and so much a part of Western identity. Yeah. And this song, um, I think it's the next one you're going to use it, or no, maybe later on, got, Handel's yeah. Messiah I've got <laughs> yeah, later yeah, on. Yeah. So I remember after my own kind of faith conversion as a 19-year-old, I remember finding the album, triple album, six albums, whatever it was, of Handel's Messiah in, in Dad's huh. uh, kind of music uh, rack. Yeah. And it had a booklet, a big booklet. And I remember yeah. reading through it and just being fascinated by the story of Handel and yeah. how he was close to death. And, and he kind of got off his deathbed and wrote the Messiah in about a week, I oh, think. Oh, my goodness. Really? In, what, 1748 or somewhere, somewhere like that. And huh. uh, so uh, suddenly I was, classical music was something I started to connect with yeah, and, yeah. Um, and then understand a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was the, um, do you, do you go to, do you go to classical music to uplift the soul or, you know, like, or would you listen to, you know, Mozart's Requiem or something and that would, that would just slay you and, you know, yeah. take you to those darker places as well. And I think so. I, I think there's an element, a lot of that music was written uh, very thematically or mm. or for uh, for particular events or circumstances yes. so uh, you know 
I think Bach was a, a stipended musician in yeah. the church. Yes. So he would write things every week. And, yeah. and yeah. we still, you know, some of his tunes are used to him, to hymns today. Yeah. So he was a very devout classical yeah. composer. Um, so I think there's a connection yeah. there. Um, I mean, I've never really been into to, to Wagner and, and some of the mm. more maybe purist yeah. classical stuff. Yeah. I, I I don't like the the darker yeah, okay. stuff. I mean, you know, Dvorak and mm. uh, kind of those those more you know lighter four season type things. You, you, you like that? Yeah. So so we so the would it be true to say sort of dovetails with your your religious beliefs as well you like to have the uh the more religious type of classical music and yeah in, in some ways i think there's a there's a there's a connection there yeah um but um but not always i, I think you know there's it doesn't have to have a religious component to be for me to enjoy to listen okay. to like some okay. of beethoven's uh you know symphonies and mm. some of the piano concertos I, i'm not cognizant enough to name them but yeah no, yeah. no this 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 but interview I, I will like go them. it will get very ignorant very quickly if i try and sure it's doing that but there's some uh, there that just are very moving a couple of yeah. these piano pieces yeah. which yeah i almost take my breath away it's incredible they're so it? beautiful yeah you know and, and then it goes kind of back to what i was saying before I, you know i wonder how much of that is sense memory and how much is that is the is the actual you know, just that piece of music. Is it something that that that, that makes us vibrate to the same frequency, yeah. or is it tied into you know? It's a fascinating question. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right, and and so, Dad was a bit of a classical beast. Yeah. Mum, hippie. Mum's our Joni Mitchell, which kinda. unfortunately I, I sold at a garage sale for like ten dollars in about nineteen eighty nine. Oh boy! And she had a heap of great sixties albums oh. and seventies, and <laughs> sold the whole lot because oh. no one then was on vinyl, vinyl? Was, vinyl was gone. Yeah, oh, it was all vinyl. Man. And um, never mind. Look, uh, some things you regret in life, but sure. she had uh, she had anything from Boney M yeah. to um, you know uh, oh, who was the. Was she a Joni fan, Joni Mitchell? Because no, no, no never saw Joni Mitchell. Herbie Hancock was oh. a flautist. You know, quite a range of stuff. But yeah. a lot of um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, um, Stevie yeah. Wonder. Yeah. So she was into a, a lot right. of black, you know, sort of Motown sure. music as well. Um, yeah, she had, she had some just some classic albums there. I I can't remember all music of them. Music on? Did she was she somebody that had music on a lot? Yeah, like, surrounded yeah. with music. And later on, Grace Jones was oh. another favourite of Mum's. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she played music a lot. There was often parties around at Mum's house. Right. So she had um, you know she was a great host. She had that Greek hospitality yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of gift embedded in her so she just gathered people were always around and then she was yeah. always cooking food and uh so there's always things happening around home a lot yeah. and she ended up befriending a number of um american servicemen yeah. uh, and their, yeah. sometimes their spouses yeah. um who are based in woomera in south australia or okay. american bases here yeah uh, and because she, as I said, she she looked almost like a, an Afro American, right, African American so with her with her Afro, and yeah, um, she just kind of fitted into that scene a bit. Yeah, yeah. but it sounds like that some of those musical tastes run strong in the Mavromitis girls because uh, yeah. you know a couple of those you mentioned, I know Tina and Samantha, Grace Jones, and you know, yeah. Stevie Wonder. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love Stevie Wonder? Yeah, um, it's good. 
So, so that, yeah, okay. So, it's I'm thinking of the, uh, you know, the, the classic, you know, buttoned up sort of uh, British kind of classical music, and it's always like that Monty Python, you know, meaning <laughs> of life, where they've got the yeah. Protestants looking out the window at the Catholics or whatever, <laughs> and you know, yeah. pick that one up. Um, but, but you know, the, the, the sort of. Uh, kind of wild child mum with the yeah. with the beautiful big hair and the and the parties and the food and the music and then there's yeah. dad listening to you know <laughs> Beethoven or that's right yeah. that- <laughs> well, working you're working you know in an executive job as a manager and right. long hours and a very professional sort of yeah. crowd you know right. um, yeah. I'm sure I've just said something terribly reductionist there but um, I don't know how they ever got together to be honest well, I, um, I, I thought about that earlier on yeah. I mean it's the opposite I've right? got I've got my theories but go on, um, go on. this is the this is the place to wear them well, look. Or maybe it's not. Like <laughs> I don't know, Dad. If you're listening, uh, sorry, but this this is what I think. Okay. I, I I have a feeling maybe Mum was, you know, potentially with child, and uh, that oh, might have helped speed along the a bit of a... the marriage process. Well, my older sister. Sure. I can't say for sure, but um, you never spoke to Dad about that. Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, because yeah. they well, they lasted what you know five, six, seven or eight years maybe. Yeah. They must have got married a little, it's 67, 60, mm. you know, 68. So Samantha was born in 68. Um, and uh, I think they split up at about 75. Yeah. But uh, my only memory sort of mum and dad memories really, there's a couple of decent ones, but mostly it's kind of, you know, arguing or oh, they're, they're the strong memories yeah. are, are really, really loud um, yeah. Even ending, going into sort of physical oh boy. engagement fights. Yeah. And, so um, you're three, four, five years old. Yeah. Oh my yeah. So, yeah. so they were pretty, and mum was pretty volatile. I mean, you know, she, I, I've seen it from both their perspectives over the okay. years. Okay. And um, I think they each share. Is this know. something that you've consciously tried to understand and, and work through? Yeah. Look, um, I think that sort of event for a child is 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 an epoch making mm-hmm. event. You know, your your world is your mother and yes. your father. Yes. So that's your world yes. as a child, and so when that world is torn apart, yeah. uh, you're very exposed. You, you don't have the capacity or the tools to yeah. to reason or differentiate. Like, well, that's mum and dad. They've got yeah. their issues, but hey, I'm okay. So you internalize. Well, I internalized. Uh, a lot of that shame and blame, mm. you know, so obviously something wrong with me or mm. um, if, if I was better behaved, maybe that's what a child does yeah. to deal with that oh, world see. falling apart. Um, and one of the, you know, I've read a lot about it over the years, you know, literature about these sorts of, of issues and experiences. Um, children of broken families yeah. will, will often grow up as adults um, catastrophizing mm-hmm. so their thinking mm-hmm. is catastrophized and i remember reading that a number of years ago thinking that's me mm. i i think like that I, I've, I've often gone through life with a with a brooding sense of something's going to go wrong oh, see. because you know it's like a tsunami yeah. event uh, us uh, an earthquake happens as a child when your mum and dad yeah. go their own ways yeah. and separate yeah 
And so your view of the world is, yeah. well, it's a dangerous place yeah, and yeah. catastrophes happen. And so it clouds your thinking. Yeah. And I yeah. realize that in my own life and I'm less like it now, but um, I realize that's been a theme of my life uh, through my 20s and 30s was this right. brooding sense of waiting for something to go wrong or yeah. <laughs> something to turn bad. So it's not even a, a, a sort of a conscious expect the worst. Um, so you're prepared. It's more just that, you know, something yeah. is going to go terribly it's wrong. It's visceral. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and where did you, um, so with Samantha, your sister, um, where did your relationship in the aftermath of that sit? Was it, was, were you, you couldn't talk to each other about that stuff? Yeah. Look, I guess as kids there, there, there came, you know, we're both emotionally, hurt mm. and and we've experienced trauma mm. and so we had we had a very volatile relationship as kids through teens right. and it's only more in later years that that we've been able to to have a, a better adult to adult relationship and i think also understand each other more sure but interestingly a lot of our conversation you know will will turn around you know my dad or my mom you know, right. that that they factor into almost like a triangle in our, right. our relationship. So I relate to Sam. We have a relation as, relationship as brother-sister, but there's those conversations about mum or dad, or probably more dad now because he's alive, but are kind of there a lot mm. um, and and talking about that and, and I think understanding each other even just intuitively mm. of what we've been through. Um, and has it been a gradual uh, evolution of your relationship, or was there was there a moment where there was a sort of reparation, or a clear the air, or a, you know, an, an, an in depth discussion about these? Look, issues? it's interesting you should say that because I think I was quite critical of my sister for a long time. And what, what's interesting why you should say that is because I think it was at your wedding reception. Oh when you guys were married and you yeah. had the wedding reception down there at the yeah, more, pier there. Uh, yeah. Um, Bound Arring or somewhere down there. Yeah, it was uh, Red, Red Hill. Red um, Hill, yeah. Um, and I remember being there and we were, we were dancing and I think, you know, out the floor and and I remember thinking, Nick, you know, stop being critical of your sister and, and I just turned to her and I gave her a hug and I said, Sam, I think you're amazing. Wow. You're amazing. And she burst into tears <sighs> and, uh, and I remember... Th- just that kind of, I think, broke something. I think there was a sense of, um, I don't know, you know, we had a dysfunctional family upbringing. Everyone, everyone's family is dysfunctional to, to, to degrees because yeah. no one's perfect. But, but ours was severely kind of dysfunctional. And I think our relationship came out of that. And so I, I think I just owned my, my kind of, you know, errors and negative approach to my sister and I, I just in that moment yeah I just said you know wow. I think you're great I think you're wonderful oh. and um and gave her a hug and gosh at your wedding reception that's amazing yeah I never knew that that's 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 quite something mate yeah uh well thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for you're drawing things out of me here <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you know and uh you know Tina and Samantha obviously talk a lot I'm not sure if Tina knew that or knows that knows that story. Yeah, maybe Sam's never mentioned it. It might have just been a, one of those things that was just by the by. But for me, it was a significant it was a step yeah, and moment, yeah. I think, to, to just say, pull your head in and, you know, wow. start to look at your sister differently and there was something about differently. That, that particular moment on, on the dance floor at the, the wedding reception. And yeah. For whatever reason, it just brought that to mind. And uh, yeah. Wow. 
maybe I just saw her yeah. in a new way for the first uh, time yeah. rather than someone whom I had been competing with for yeah. a, a, a small supply of affection, uh, you know, from mum. Because okay. uh, a single parent, you know, it's, it's the hard thing today. People get a bit antsy when you talk about yeah. parenting and yeah. kids need a mum and dad, whatever. But I think, you know, a single parent, my mum was amazing. Yeah. She she sacrificed, she worked hard. Uh, she put us first. She she loved us. Yeah. But, you know, one parent has a, has a limited amount of energy and yeah. affection and yeah. so i think we were kind of competing for that over the years okay. okay and um and so there was a competitive kind of strain there and often led to arguments and wrestling and fights and whatnot so maybe i'd come to a point where i could just see him more more objectively as, as a genuinely interesting and amazing person okay. and and i you know told her that yeah yeah so and I, presumably most of the argument and fighting happened when you moved to be with them, um, yeah. So, so you're talking thirteen, did you say? You yeah. So, well, I lived with Mum and Sam, so we we were together for about eight years. And when I was thirteen, I moved with Dad and June for um, two years, and yeah. Mum and Sam for a year. Then yeah. I came back oh, for a couple of years, yeah. lived with Dad and June again, and then yeah. moved in with Mum and Sam. But um, yeah. you know, we we went to America. Mum took us to America oh. when when I was eleven. Right. Uh, Sam was 13, so we had six months in America. Whereabouts? Um, we, mum had friends in Atlanta, Georgia, oh. and Colorado, um, Colorado Springs in Colorado, yep. and also California. So these were her American friends she'd made here. They're, they're sort of GI, what were they? GIs yeah, they're, they're in the Navy, American, Army, or yeah. probably the Army. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think mum was kind of just on a bit of a mission to see whether maybe uh, one of those flames you know mm. that might have been in australia that there was something to pursue or mm. um whether we might move there indefinitely yeah and i remember it causing a lot of um a lot of distress between my mum and my dad because he didn't want us to go yeah. and i was at, and he held off on signing our documents or passports oh. whatever it was for a long time but we did go and we had six months over there almost uh, you know, almost six months, and um, you were eleven. Yeah, I was eleven. So I missed. Oh boy! Well, maybe it was it was more like four or five months. So I missed a whole term of school and a half. Oh, so you didn't go to school over there. No. Oh. So um, it was summer holidays there, but um, and then I managed to get through. That was year seven, and oh, uh, so, so first, I, first year of no in Adelaide. That's last oh. year of primary school. Oh, so okay. I managed to get through into year eight, which was first year of high school. Right. Right. Um, and so that that was an interesting time, and uh, uh, you know, at times a little bit scary. I think we, yeah. as a kid, you know, going to these big American cities from Adelaide, yeah. um, you know, it was it was overwhelming and yeah. uh, a bit frightening. But we lived mostly in Colorado Springs and then uh, Georgia for most of the time with right. these friends of Mum's. Atlanta, so, Georgia. Yeah. 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 Wow. I, th- I I don't think I knew that either. What an incredible. I mean. I I I I think it would be easy to go, you know, to 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 judge your your mum's actions and you know how could you uproot kids, but at the same time, I can understand um, her being on some kind of a search for happiness or stability yeah. or you know a new life or new start yeah. or something. I can I can. Well, she would have been about forty one. Right, forty-two, perfect, classic time. Yeah, and and she, I mean, mum had a pretty rough time, really, in life. Her dad was quite 
um, a cruel, abusive man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he used to beat her, and he'd he'd bring suitors home, you know, Greek Greek oh, uh, men right. down the the Hellas Club that he had a gambling debt with or whatever. Oh. Bring bring them home to meet one of his daughters or my mum. And she'd run away and hide and then he'd beat her after with his belt and beat her blue. So she she had a terrible experience with her father. And then, you know, my dad, I think having – he effectively left my mum. And I think the the rejection, the hurt, the pain of that just cut her quite deeply, even though I'm sure she drove him away to a certain degree as well. But – Do you remember having – overt conversations about all of these issues with her yeah look i think i think mum didn't play it so well in terms of she carried a lot of resentment and hurt over the years and my dad um very much less so was critical of my mum to us growing up whereas mum was very open about her thoughts about our dad and um you know she um they had an arrangement. We'd go to him on the weekends or every fortnight and so forth. And she she certainly didn't withhold us from seeing him. Yeah. But I think she was was wounded and, and carried um, a lot of that pain. Even to when, when she was dying of... Um, she had a brain tumour in 87. She was diagnosed. She was diagnosed the weekend that Princess Diana was killed, the, the Saturday night right. uh, in 97. So I always remember that. Yeah. Um, and, um, then she died nine months later, but I remember over that time, you know, stuff from the, her experience with dad coming up and still it being quite painful uh, for her. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, didn't make a peace with it. Yeah. I think in the end she, she came to us, to us, to us, to a peace in herself and a, an acceptance of what was happening. Okay. And, um, but, um, yeah, I feel for my mum. She, she was mistreated by, by you know, by life in some ways yeah. and by significant yeah. people in her life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was very happy when I saw what your third song was. Okay. Um, and I th- I'm going to sound ignorant of my own podcast here, but I think this is the first time somebody picked you too. Really, I think so. I think I'm so. astounded. I'm 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 surprised. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go so strong as astounded. Okay, I would go surprised. Um, uh, and and I wonder if um, and I don't subscribe to this view, but they're a very easy band for people to be to express cynicism towards. Yeah, okay. uh, you know the whole save the world Bono sure. uh, sunglasses issues. Um, and and also a, a degree. sunglasses or safety glasses. I'm never uh, sure. Yeah, some eye problem that he's got. He's doing some welding on the side or something. <laughs> yeah. That's it, uh, Bono. If you're listening, uh, we absolutely accept that these could be a medical yeah. situation. That's right. um, but you know, you talk about epochs, and uh, yeah. the Joshua Tree was one, right? For yeah, uh, that love it or hate. I mean, I. I I'd be surprised. You know what? There's some. I've never had much time for people that would that would dismiss music as uncool. You know, yeah. it, it is what it is. Like it's good or it's bad. Well, it's you art, like, isn't it? Right, and, right, exactly. You know, subjective and all yeah. that stuff. Um, but what a stunning album! Yeah. Um, and you know, when I made my clumsy sort of um, comparison, potentially of the arc of your life to this point with the choices you made, I saw uh, in a in a very clumsy way. 
a potential bridge between the music that we've heard to this point with the yeah. with with the yeah. um, uh, the religious or spiritual yeah, definitely that that's that, very that, insightful. Chris. Is that true? Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, you you two in in a sense uh, straddled those two worlds. Right. That's right? what I was trying to. So say. they okay. they have you know they've been open about various faith commitments that that Bono has Absolutely. and so forth. Absolutely. Uh, so. It's interesting, and, and probably the the next one of the next bands as well. Though they were more overtly uh, a gospel kind of centered band, um, we're talking about Christian metal. Yeah, yeah, Christian heavy metal. Which I loved your message, by the way. <laughs> I just loved it. But anyway, yeah, God. Yeah, we'll come like, to that. We don't, that, don't mention that one yet because there's no, a, no, it's okay. But big... so you two were kind of they were in in my world as as a kind of a teenager into rock music sure, and playing sure. in bands so that that was kind of cool enough they were in there but then they're also alluding into this other world yeah, you know like yeah. I still haven't found what yeah. I'm looking for I've yeah. just preempted it there but um, no no I'm glad you mentioned the song uh, you know it's it's that sense of search and, yeah. and spiritual yeah. journey yeah. Um, and so it's like two worlds yeah. you know, sort of being held together in this band did you ever see uh I think it was in Rattle and Harm. Rattle and Harm, yeah. I saw that tour. I went to the live oh, show in Adelaide. That would have been good. BB King uh, was there. Did he play yep. Love Comes to Town? Yeah. Did you see in the film where they got the gospel choir to, to do a version of Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For? No. Oh, boy. Um, I, you know, in my, in my memory. I, I don't even know if I've seen the film. Is this the, of Rattle and Harm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, if I have, it'd be it, a long time ago. You have. It, 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 it was... It was like a, like a I, I think, it's, I think it was like a hybrid documentary and yeah. live performance. I think I have seen it. BB yeah. came on stage and he, right. and, and he said, "Look, we've written this song for you," and they did it. And yeah. and um, and I think they even spliced in that. You know, when they tried to recreate an American version of Beatles playing on top of the Apple Building, they, they got shut yeah, down okay. after Streets Have No Name. Yeah, right. All of that good stuff. Um, Edge was still in his sort of Stetson hat phase, not okay. his, not his uh, beanie phase. <laughs> yeah. It was pre-big glasses. Yeah. Um, Bono's eyes were obviously good at this stage. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, the reason I mention it, uh, and, and I think it would be nice for you and I after, when, when 10 hours has passed and we finally finished the interview, <laughs> uh, for us to watch it, because yeah. uh, there's there's this wonderful wonderful uh, acapella uh, right. choir yeah. you know uh, Southern Baptist style yeah and, and they and they I don't know if descant's the right word but they they add in various bits right. to this and beautiful in my memory the, the the members of the band are kind of just speechless with, yeah with, with I mean imagine that they wrote this song yeah and then they see that happen to it you know yeah and that's the thing with music isn't it and, and writing songs yeah. or music that uh, other people can take it yes. to other places. Yeah. yeah. So again, thank you for picking this one. Um, any, any, any slight? I mean, well, we talked about the bridge between. Uh, yeah. Um, but any, any? Did you have a moment? Oh, I wouldn't mind where the streets have no name. Wouldn't mind. Yeah, look, that up. that's a great song. Um, I, I thought of love comes to town as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, th I think this one just. Musically, I love it. Yeah. And I used to do a bit of busking um, uh, in my late teens. And, yeah. and it wasn't that good, but I, I used to go into Adelaide to Rundle Mall. Yeah. And so I used to do this song, you know. It was oh. kind of, you know, a okay. good busking yeah. song. I should mention that you're, um, you're miming guitar playing, not yeah, drums. Yeah, miming guitar. Stage, not, yeah, yeah. So I didn't play it on the drums. Because that would be weird if you set up your drum kit. And yeah, I've seen people try, but it <laughs> doesn't work very well. Where do we stand with, uh, is it Larry Mullen Jr. as a drummer? Yeah. Oh, look... 
I don't know. I've never had. He's never been high up in my kind of mm. pantheon of mm. of drummers in the drumming hall of fame. But I suspect that that Larry found himself in a band at some point yeah. and and playing drums yeah. and had to learn <laughs> as the band went on. That's just. I mean, there's a suspicion. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a solid drummer and yeah, all, and yeah. um, but there's just a sense that, that it's a really he, nice way he grew into the role kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't uh, like headhunted. Like who's the best drummer? Gun. Who's the best drummer in Dublin? In Dublin, <laughs> in you know, Larry. Larry. It's like <laughs> um, well, Larry's got a kit, you know. <laughs> it's like a Ringo situation. Yeah, yeah, like Ringo. So, um, but but he 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 found his part, and yeah, I think sure. in any band that's right. that's what you want. Each you have to find your place, yes. your part. Yeah. And so he found his, and and yeah. and he does some great stuff. I mean, he's he's got some good, um, you know, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah. He's got some some good sort of grooves that he did, and yes, creative yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen. I, sh- I should disclaimer. You know, Ringo is such an easy target, but I've heard now many drummers get a bit hot under the collar when he's dissed because a lot of people, right. you know, I mean, no one really wants to slag off Ringo because he's lovely, I suppose, but but. Um, it, you know, could he play Moby Dick solo? <laughs> Probably not. But at the same time, yeah. a lot of what he did do, um, even the little, uh, the Tom roll at the start of something, you know? Yeah. And it's early days. I mean, he was a pioneer, wasn't he? So it's fair, you know, for people who've been, we've had drums for 50, 60 years, rock drumming. So it's all very well now to critique the early people, but they were the pioneers. And Edge is probably never going to, um, play guitar solos in in Striper. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But he definitely has done all right. And again, he he, he found his place and, his and place. with his delay pedals and his, his so reverb. <laughs> He did all right. So we, 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 we sounded like we're uh, being sarcastic, but we no, it's a, great, a great respect for him. All right. Uh, oh, this is song three. Oh, an hour and a half. We're going well. Okay, we're doing well. Mate.
They saw it a couple of times. Docklands, yeah. Um, did you did you see the ago. did you see that that was uh, the round thing? Kind of the they did it in the round. Oh yeah. yeah. So so uh, maybe five years ago. Something. Oh, oh yeah, I reckon it was yeah. maybe seven or eight. Seven or eight years ago. Yeah. So it wasn't. Uh, so it's kind of in the centre of the stadium. More was it like so. elevation that tour? Like yeah, possibly. And uh, so they just had this ring stage. Yeah. And and everyone was around it. Good gig. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. good. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're a pretty special band, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, Striper. Yeah, I, no, I should apologise to anyone who, who may <laughs> listen to this podcast from this point on. I do apologise, but no, 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 it's no, just no. part of my journey. No, yeah. no, no, you really don't need to apologise. <laughs> and also, uh, if I'm perfectly honest, I heard the opening drums and uh distorted 80s guitar and it and it and it had, I was like, yeah because for men of a certain age as yeah. we, as we now are yeah. um and luke luke i know shares our disease uh, <laughs> there, there's something about that that 80s kind yeah. of hair metal sound yeah, definitely which has always been just about the most <clears throat> uncool thing imaginable yeah uh, that's that's done it for me uh, uh, it's so hard I don't want to sound like I'm taking a pop at you, but as as I said that, I thought just about the only thing that could be less cool than 80s hair metal is 80s hair metal Christian. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, I mean, you know I, mean, I say that but, with love but and respect. But even, I mean, Striper just got it from every side <laughs> because they, they got it from the, the <laughs> secular side, like, who are you guys? It's ridiculous. The church has hated them, you know. Like, oh, the church hated them? Yeah, so, yeah a, lot, a number of them, you know, because this is the wrong sort of music. And, oh, you know, so it's like the devil's own music. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I so they, they, they kind of, they had thick skin. Because <laughs> you take the... In some ne- ways. I was listening, as I said, I was listening to these songs on the way up and the lyrics you could basically take out of a sermon. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, that's right. Yeah, they, they, were, they were evangelistic band. Right. So they, they used heavy metal as, as their medium sure. to, to preach the message, you know. Um, and yet they were unloved by the Christian community. Oh, no, not all of them, but yeah. I, I think, um, I'm going to give you an example. Not long after I, I kind of started this faith journey, I, I remember I'd, I was playing striper somewhere at home, or sure. and so someone had come around, um, maybe someone from church, and and they kind of said to me, "Oh, you know, this, what's this music?" You know, and they just heard the guitars. And yeah, the guitars yeah, and, and I said, "Oh, it's striper," you know, and and they made this comment, and I'm even embarrassed to say it, but look, this, this they said God. it. They said, "Oh, do you think?" Do you think God would like that sort of music? <laughs> and this this was someone who was this more into pious, classical. This is a pious Yeah, man. yeah, and they were into classical music and stuff. Do you stuff think God and, would like this music? Yeah, and I remember but just... that wasn't even... He meant that. He meant that. Yeah, God. he meant it, yeah. Oh. And I remember just snapping like, oh boy. you know, what do you mean? Like, um, oh boy. There's no, there's no genre of, of music yeah. in the Bible, right? There's yeah. no like, you know, country and Western is God's favorite or something. <laughs> so, um, and, and although, here, although if you had to put your money on, <laughs> well, no, there's definitely no. no country in heaven and Western in heaven, <laughs> clearly. Um, but, um, that's probably my least, one of my least favorite genres <laughs> ever. So you speak for the Christian community on that one? Not, not really. No, Cause no, in cause America that's big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. But, um, <laughs> for me personally, it doesn't do much, but, um, um, so Striper, yeah, I mean, he was my language, right? So I yeah. think, I don't want to get too, are you ready to go sort of a bit more heavy theological? Or I'm always ready to go heavy theological. Well, the the general understanding of the, the message of 
the Christian faith is that God became flesh, right? right. So God in uh, embedded himself, enfleshed himself in into our world yes. in, in the person of Jesus sure. of Nazareth, right? So we call that incarnation. Mm-hmm. It's Latin for basically in flesh, sure. in, in meat, you know, sure. carnivore, sure. carne. Mm-hmm. And so people then like Striper who, who said, well, we, we, we have a heart to reach um, drugged out, young guys uh, who are aimlessly wandering off in life and yeah. um, at risk and have no purpose, no hope, yeah. are lost. Yeah. We want to reach them yeah. with, with this message of love. Yeah, evangelical. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So what do we do? Well, I know we'll, we'll play classical music and invite them to the concert. Sure. No, no, they, they, they were rock musicians. They yeah. came to faith themselves at some point, you know, through the 10th. They said, well, let, let's, let's use the music, the language that these people are going to understand, mm. uh, you know, metal, hard rock, mm. and let's infuse it with, with this message of hope. Yeah. So that, that's where Striper is coming from. Did they, did they, so you said, you know, segments, I'm not surprised, you know, I can't imagine the, the sort of the Blue Rent set in, in England much enjoyed yeah. Striper, but did they, did their intention, you know, come to, come to pass at all? Yeah, yeah, that, I think they had a great um, uh, sort of a, a widespread appeal. They toured Australia, so I think oh. I, I went and saw them live in about 90, 1989. Oh. And at that point, I, I wasn't someone who believed. Um, oh, okay. Someone so gave me a ticket. Yeah. And so, and they're at Thebiton Town Hall, actually, where, where the Oils, oh. lots of concerts used to be there. <clears throat> so I went and saw them and... Um, and I remember, I remember interestingly, I was in my drumming phase at that moment, and the drummer, yeah. uh, Rob Robert Sweet, uh, yeah. his his brother Michael was the lead singer, but oh. Robert the drummer, he had this um, incredibly customized double bass kit, right? And Dub, it, double pedal, double double bass. Yeah. Double bass. Yep. And 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 actually, he may have even had quadruple bass, so it was behind him as well. He could swing around. That's and, very spinal tap. And then play, yeah. And, and it was this incredible kit. It was all customised. He had all his cymbals were hanging down from yeah. racks on chains. <laughs> and he had the, the best kit. Oh, and uh, I remember the whole concert just being mesmerised by, yeah. by this guy. Yeah, and then yeah. at the end of the concert, I went around the back and all the fans were kind of waiting out, out the side doors for autographs. Yes. And I was there, and the, the bouncer guy just kind of walked away from the door at one point, and uh, and I just looked huh. in and thought, I'll just go in. So yeah. I just walked through, and I walked in, in to, the, to the backstage, and then I go into this room, and there's a bowl of M&Ms, and there's yeah. all this stuff there, and I just kind of stood there, I had a couple of M&Ms, and then the drummer... Um, <laughs> you had a couple of... Yeah. So you just took the band's M&Ms. Yeah, the, the, the drummer, rider. Michael Sweet, he, he walks out, and he, right. he changed, and he's like, hey, how you doing? He was good, he didn't say yeah. who the hell are you. And I said, oh, g'day, I said, oh, I really love the show, and... Um, uh, you know, I, I you know, he's a great drama. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks, man. He's really, he's really down to work. We're just was, chatting. Yeah. And here's, here's the really funny thing: they they would throw out New Testaments at the end of their their concert. Actual New Testaments. Yeah, actual New Testaments, paperbacks, so no one was injured. <laughs> and they would throw them out, right? And so here, I'm, I'm not a believer. I'm not, I don't go to church. And, oh, I, yeah, and yeah, I catch yeah. one of these things. Oh, so right? you had the New Testament. Yes, yeah, so I had my New Testament. So I thought, well, what do I do? I got him to sign it. <laughs> So have you still I'm, got that? Um, I think I might still have it. You I'm not sure, might, but it, it's not that important is. to me as a relic. Right. But um, but he, he's like, yeah, sure, man. He so he it. signed it, Michael Sweet, and then he he, cool. he put some scripture 
reference here. I forget what it was. And we just had a bit of a chat and then, then I kind of oh, went. Isn't and that great? It was a really cool moment. Yeah. That's really cool. Oh, well, presumably if they're lobbing New Testaments out, part of the reason was like, okay, if we're going to sign anything, we'll sign yeah. it, you know. And I wasn't dragged out or he wasn't like, hey, what are you yeah, doing here? You know, yeah, well, you get you out. Be, you can't be It's just like, yeah, just chatted away. And, and I'm guessing there wasn't much... Uh, Drugs and sex happening backstage. I uh, didn't see much at all. Pretty no. clean living guys. Just the M&Ms. Yeah. yeah I'm, you can hear in my voice, I'm trying so hard not to sound snide <laughs> at this point. Just do it. No, no, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not I'm, cause, because I don't feel that way, you know, because I'm not laughing at, at you or at Striper or at Christianity. Um, in fact, I, 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 you know, I actually go the other way because... You know, it's just like, a, I, I see it as like a form of bullying, you know, like when, you know, yeah. you know how, you know, like if a, if someone's failing, then they'll pick on the easiest uh, target yeah, or something, sure. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, um, however, uh, the, the sort of drum kit that you mentioned, uh, setting aside yeah. all Christianity, that was such a 1980s thing, wasn't it? Just yeah. like a wall of marshals. Yeah. Oh, they had graphics. them too. Yeah. Uh, they may have had Mesa Boogies, but. Um, oh, big amps. stacks of big amps. stacks. Yeah. That would have, you would have felt the the air moving. Yeah, the, one of those. <laughs> That's right. Nowadays, you can see their hair blowing <laughs> you know, from the from the the wattage behind. Oh, yeah. them. <laughs> Although they, Ted always laughs that Steve Vai, one of my heroes, uh, plays with a fan in front of him, and, yeah. and when he when he plays at a certain point, he stands there so the hair is blowing, <laughs> is blown backwards. It's so hard to argue when you when your wife's laughing at at your musical yeah sure Steve Vai was amazing oh still is I wonder if he had the fan to help dry his fingers out too could be he he was such one of those virtuoso kind of guitarists and still is in fact a good mate of mine is is friends with Steve and uh, it's not about me um, do you remember Joe Satriani do I remember yeah I I, I went on the Surfing the Alien me too me too was Stu Hamm playing bass I'm not sure all I knew was Joe Satriani amazing and I think actually he had a session drummer called Simon Phillips who was a really top session drummer I think he he travelled with Mick Jagger when he uh, toured he was one of the top session drummers pretty sure it was his name was Simon Phillips yeah he wasn't the drummer when I saw them I think it was was a guy called Campilettery or something okay but we're probably off topic a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well, we're kind of not because the Surfing the Alien was, I think, eighty-seven. Yeah. So we're, we're in the yeah. we're in that sort of ballpark, yeah. aren't we? Um, oh, and I, yeah, I was going to ask you, gee, what did you say the singer's name is? Sweet Michael Sweet. How's his voice? He's operatic, isn't he? I that mean, is. I mean, he, crazy. Even if you he goes go, so high. Oh yeah. Even yeah. if you, I mean, obviously most people can sing much higher if they do their head voice like their falsetto yeah that, he's, that's not a falsetto that, he, he's, he's going just you know to a you know it's like I mean that's dog whistle almost stuff he's yeah. there's one moment on this uh, so my question was going to be does he did he manage to pull that stuff off during, yeah wow I watched something a couple of years ago I looked them up and they've done some reunion concerts and oh. so I watched something from just last two or three years and, and he's still hitting you know he'd probably be in his early 50s now but um, I guess an advert for clean living as well looking after your voice and could be stuff. could well be um, there's yeah. a, mind you there is a thing um, I mean uh, famously relatively famously uh, Jimmy Barnes who when you hear his voice which is high and it's raspy and everything can yeah. you think oh, he's going to blow his chords yeah. but he 
you know, you'll have to see, he's talked about it many times, I think, on interview, but he's actually had a, a flexible fiber optic camera look down at his vocal cords and, 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 and he's not actually putting any strain on his, on his vocal cords right. when he hits those notes. And I think these freaks, um, like Sweet, yeah. um, and Jimmy Barnes and things managed to, sing without yeah there's a technique I, I remember hearing jimmy barnes or hearing about him that he he hit a phase i think after the chisel time where i think his voice was in a bad way oh. and i think he went and was trained by someone <gasps> is that right yeah because oh. um apparently um and i'm talking to a doctor here so you know more about this than me i'm sure <laughs> but apparently children or babies have have a kind of perfect vocal technique huh. uh the way like you know in a supermarket sure. and, and a, a 12 month old old baby just starts screaming and yeah. everyone cringes up sure because just cuts through yeah yeah and as we get older we we start to speak more from our our voice uh, box and throat whereas right. they they go have this just innate way of knowing how to project and scream yeah and so i think barnsey was taught basically and this could be just apocryphal but how to scream like a baby how That's to how to technique and uh, and do it without because without pushing through the vocal cords yeah, and without, without without tightening up that's and right yeah and, yeah just uh, letting it flow out it's a powerful instrument yeah. and, and you hear that baby and it, it does stop a, a yeah. crowd everyone's yeah. like oh yeah. it just cuts right through you well it's certainly true that tension is the enemy of, of uh, singing you know yeah. uh, but that's I've never heard that before that's that's really Look, interesting yeah, Google that one but sounds incredible we've got to make a list of the uh, <laughs> sure. we, uh, we've got the uh, we've got the, the guy who's a monkey we think is either North African <laughs> Or, yeah, uh, well, I'm a preacher, so you yeah. don't just take everything I say. You got to test it. <laughs> You're not a Bible salesman, though. You no. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's listen to Striper. Let's go. Let's, let's do it more do than it. a man. Oh, let me just give oh, a little, yeah, yeah, little yeah, just yeah, a yeah, bit yeah, of context for this yes, one. Please. So, yeah. I think um, a friend of mine who I went to school with, yep. uh, Greg. Yep. He was best mate at school. You know, we we did lots of bad stuff together, oh. drugs, parties, whatever. Oh. And then I'd lost track with him for a couple of years, but but he'd he'd had a kind of conversion experience. Oh. He'd, he'd become a, a follower of Jesus, and and he looked me up, came back into my life about 1988. Yeah. And I remember I was playing my drums one day at the back of the house. I used to practice a lot, and this this head kind of poked in the door, and I was yeah. like, "Hey, oh, Greg, how are you?" Yeah. And so he he came around and started to share his story with me and yeah. what had happened to him, and yeah. he'd stopped doing drugs and cleaned up his life. And I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's really interesting." And um, and he gave me this cassette, uh, so it had Striper on one side, oh. and uh, then it had uh, a group of compilation of other heavy metal sort of Christian artists on the other side, um, and they were, they were good musos. It was good music, and so I started to listen. I remember listening to this song, uh, driving home from McLaren Vale, uh, where I was working as a uh, a chef, a fourth year apprentice chef. Yep at a winery driving home one night and this song and playing this song this particular song this song yeah, yeah this yeah. this song and 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 for the first time in my life i kind of got or understood um you know we might call it a revelation oh. i had a, an understanding of of what this message was about not necessarily that i believed it at that point um but i i got the message of, so, of what I would call now the gospel, the good news. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and I heard it first through this song. The perfect explanation of why you chose this song from this album. And basically, you. Uh, so therefore, their intention worked, yeah. in, in, didn't it, in yeah, some way? Definitely, um, yeah. <clears throat> whether, you, whether that, you know, that wasn't, you weren't perhaps quite ready uh, no. to, to let that into your life at that second, but... 
but still it was your first the the, the light just came on a little yeah. bit and yeah uh, definitely how and and um greg you said yeah did he go on to have uh, make 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 it his calling his profession as well no interestingly greg kind of went off the rails a big oh. way and uh you know had a marriage breakdown and then then kind of another one and um, just got himself into a bit of trouble and then I think sorted out of his life eventually and yeah. he's lived in England for the last decade or so, 15 years. So when, when I went to England yeah. in yeah. 2009 um, and lived for a year, I looked him up and, and we got together and had a great time and, yeah. and so he, he's a person who has faith and but he, he's not like me, he, he's not as intense in terms of, you know, being a pastor or anything yeah. like that, but he didn't quite go as all in as you. But no, and did he did he lose his faith then regain it again? Is he like a? Church I don't know that he ever lost his faith, yeah. but he lost his way, uh, and um, and I think uh, uh, you know <clears throat> just that, yeah, there's some pain and some some difficulties there that, that he went through over over his life, and yeah. and some tragic things actually, yeah. um, not that were his fault, but um, that happened with with his mum and so forth. Yeah. So. Um, he, he's kind of the the only mate in the sense that I have back from high school days oh. that, that I still you oh, know, it's on Facebook right? these days, but yeah. that that I have any contact with. There's that. a couple of Facebook friends here and there, but um, the only one that I kind of looked up and you know, I mean we kept uh, touch with. I mean, I imagine it would be tough anyway in the you know pre-internet days that that sort of peripatetic lifestyle that yeah. you 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 led lots of upheavals moving around hard to actually yeah, stay in contact right. with, with yeah it was harder um definitely and and also just i should say that mm. you know the friendship group i had at the time around this time when i start, was listening to this song eventually when i did come to my own faith you know i kind of lost my fin- my friendship group that i had yeah. uh, kind of my my dope smoking buddies and party mates you cut them adrift they cut you adrift it did it wasn't dramatic it was mm-hmm. it was more um you know i'd be sitting there at band practice you know um i was in a band at the time and uh you know and then someone would come in a couple of mates and they'd bring in a bag and everyone starts sitting around mm-hmm. passing around pipes and bongs and mm-hmm. i'd be sitting there going it's not really interested in yeah. this anymore i don't do yeah. this anymore and Changed. over time i just went no i got, I got to walk away from this yeah. because uh, and in hindsight i regret that because i, I didn't really I was probably more worried about my susceptibility to getting back into that lifestyle. Sure, sure. So it wasn't a judgmental thing or um, – and then I think for them it was a – it got a bit hard too, you know. Mm. It's that that sort of peer pressure yeah. in a reverse way where, where yeah. I made them feel a bit yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Not yeah. not overtly, but yeah. uh, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't smoking yeah. anymore, I wasn't interested in, you know, scoring chicks or whatever. So yeah. it just changed. Yeah, that – yeah. And that uh, that's which so you nineteen yes yeah yeah I mean at that that time it's uh, yeah those those guys I'm sure you they they still felt the same way about your friendship but um, uh, there's a lot of at that age you you do tend to gravitate towards the same sort of activities as as, yeah. uh, as, as, as your peers. Yeah, you want to belong. You want to belong. Yeah. There's a, there's a and interestingly, though, what I, I then went into the church community and I didn't feel like I belonged right. there because I was very much, a, you know, a lot of young people that were in the church that I went to grew up within it. Yeah. And so I, they were lovely young people, but they were kind of 
I'd always been clean living, kind of straight laced. So you, and, you're, 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 and, you're too um, dirty, but you're a bit too yeah, clean. And yeah, I, so I didn't really fit in there. And I, and I remember falling out with the youth group that I was a part of. <laughs> I, I got up one one night and, and I, uh, I, I, I swore and oh, uh, yeah. I got upset about something and I walked out of the church. Yeah. And, um, it's a bad so, boy. Yeah, yeah, so I didn't kind of kind of fit in there i know what but, you mean um, so yeah a bit of a foot in both camps and then a foot in neither in a way a bit of yeah. an outsider almost yeah. okay um but i, I think almost we can say uh, we, we, we've got to just bring this back and sort of dedicate almost this to greg don't we this yeah this, this, greg Nimke. yeah if you're listening out there thanks mate what part of england's he in uh he's in that birmingham kind oh. of birmingham poor poor greg okay <laughs>
that was, yeah, level of technological ability there. There's uh, that, yeah, the, the, yeah, the neoclassical thing. There's a, there is a lot um, of, uh, of of crossover. You know, I just think, oh man, it's such a shame that guitar solos, you know, aren't such a thing anymore. Yeah, they're not, are they? Oh, there was a time when it yeah. was just okay. It's a good song, but where's the solo? Yeah, definitely. Maybe it's just. I the wonder. Music is we that? Love. Yeah, I wonder why is it um, uh, diff- just different uh, style or less, yeah. maybe less emphasis or ability. Yeah, even yeah, I don't know. I guess it comes down to opinion, doesn't it? I know that there's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, what we. I mean, every music moves on, doesn't it? And um, as far as I can tell, that the stuff that that's popular now pop music is yeah. the kind of edm electronic dance music yeah it's kind of vaguely sure. sort of hip hoppy, yeah. and that certainly isn't a breeding ground for guitar solos um but i, I remember I had this discussion once with a, a mate who was, i was in a band with um because i told him how much i loved uh that's when i think of you 1927 you remember that song it's yeah. like an aussie band big hit that's when i think of you yeah that's when i think of you it's all that i can do yeah, that one. yeah okay yeah and it's just got a magic guitar solo right. probably too you know and and he said oh man the days when pop music had guitar solos. yeah you always right? expected it didn't yeah. you yeah it was kind of verse chorus yeah verse chorus solo solo chorus, chorus yeah, yeah. And maybe and a fade, bridge yeah know? bridge fade <laughs> to outro yeah and it kind of punctuated the song even yeah. in a yeah. even in a jason white i mean eric clapson was he had that incredible uh and excuse the term but rebirth yeah you know um yeah. didn't he? he went from that's whatever, right to in the 80s all of a sudden he was playing solos again and yeah um, yeah and he was in the charts uh we sound like a couple of old men don't we yeah you know yeah, time moves on time yeah. moves on as it should as it should um uh what was i gonna oh yeah okay right well I forget how you just put it, but you almost apologetically said it's like, is this the is this the point where we talk about my religious experience? Mate? Sure. And and the answer is, mate, it, it's always your it's your interview. Is it's, it's yeah, completely okay. up to you how you want to if you want to talk about all of your your story in this in this regard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me just let me say this that I I you told me uh, particularly sort of mind-blowing, moving story when we were sitting having dinner in far north Queensland. Yeah, when, Greek, yeah, Greek restaurant. Yeah, in Palm Cove, um, which always struck me as, you know, at the time I just sat back and listened to this incredible story and I wondered if you would like to share that, but I, but at the same time... Yeah, was, was that about what happened at the street on the concert the, I went to? Well, uh, no, it, it was involved in an accident. Yeah, well. okay, yeah, my car accident. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, around this time, so 89, I think it was uh, September 89, mm. uh, I was called into work one Saturday night. I had the, the night off. I was at trade school for a month. Yeah, so you, so you, you trained to be a chef? Yeah, so you did one month blocks. I was in my fourth year. So I was at my final block of trade school yeah. Monday to Friday yeah. so you get the weekends off yeah. and my boss the head chef called me in on the Saturday they had a big night said we need you back Right. and so I went in and it, as it turned out they didn't really need me it wasn't that busy um, so I finished off and headed home and um, driving in my HQ Holden station wagon painted with a house brush bright orange <laughs> sounds great with black trim yeah 
and uh, was you going down to McLaren? Yeah, so I was down McLaren Vale. Yeah. So I, I was coming home, and, and I, I kind of normally went another way home, but I, mm-hmm. I went a different way. Yeah. And I'm just driving 80 down this road yeah. at night, and um, a few houses around, and this car just comes out in front of me from yeah. a side street, and yeah. I just plow into it, and uh, massive impact, and, oh, and I, my seatbelt broke. I smashed my face and oh head on the God. steering wheel. That yeah. bent. I had multiple lacerations on my shin and, oh. and all over. But I didn't break anything. Um, but I remember being pulled out of the car and people all around, sirens starting, and I was laying on the road in my chef gear. There was, you know, it's a white jacket, so there's yeah. blood all over it, and and just in in lots of pain. And uh, but you know, there was a a deep existential pain there. And I remember laying on the road as so I would have been eighteen, nineteen, and just just turned nineteen, and and just. In my, it's like in my heart, inwardly, I, I felt, I said, I wish I had have died. <sighs> I was sad that I didn't die, that I was still there. Why? Um, look, I, I wish I knew. I, I think, you know, in in my experience, there's, there's been a lot of, I think that early childhood experience. There's yeah. a lot of sadness yeah. there. There was a lot of. Um, yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s when I actually realized I was from a single-parent family. Yeah. And I realized in my mid-20s that uh, I was sitting in class at Theological College. We were talking about some issues to do with marital breakdown or whatever. Yeah. And I suddenly realized for the first time that I'm from a single-parent family. And I'd realized that up until the age of 25, 26, I was still unconsciously or at least subconsciously hoping and longing that my parents would get back together. I'd kind of had this childhood uh, dream and longing that, that was still there in my mid-20s. And I finally met it and acknowledged it and went, Nick, that's ridiculous, man. That Your parents are never getting back together. It's over. But it had been there like a, a longing and I just wanted to have a normal family like everyone else and have mum and dad around. And um, so I think there was a sadness through my, my early life. I'm, I'm a bit more of a, an introvert, um, you know, melancholic personality. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, then the drugs and, you know, doing magic mushrooms and smoking dope all the time. Yeah. I just messed with myself emotionally and, sure. and mentally. Your chemistry. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I was, I mean, it's that classic spiraling downwards. Yeah. And so at that point in my life, literally, it was like the lowest point of my life. Yeah. And, um, and I think uh, there was just this, this hurt and this pain in my life that, that I wanted to be over. And uh, and so there I was laying there, and I, I didn't die, but I laid in that hotel, I laid in that hospital bed, not a hotel, but um, mostly most of the night, because the other two guys, one of them was was on life support overnight. He was the car that came out. Yeah, yeah. So I crashed into the side of the car, uh, and so the driver they had to cut him out with the jaws of yeah, life, and yeah, yeah. so he was you know not expected to live. That so everyone was was around him at the emergency and yeah. and trying to keep him alive. Oh so I just laid on a trolley in my chef gown on glass in with the blood same, everywhere in the, in the same emergency department that yeah the yeah lives. for for hours yeah. through yeah. the night yeah. and a couple of people checking here or there and there was no mobile phones so no one could ring um, they were trying to ring I think mum and Sam had gone away or they were out somewhere my dad couldn't be contacted so so you were living with I was living with um, I was living with mum and Sam then at Summerton Park yeah um, in Adelaide yeah actually it was Seacliff and. Um, so I just laid there alone. Jesus. And I remember feeling, you know, just that that aloneness, that yeah. lostness there. Yeah. And 
Then the next morning, uh, finally, Mum and Sam, they got news they came in. Um, and I remember the mum of the other the boy, and they were being idiots. They turned their lights off to get away from another Ugh. couple of teenagers and then just scooted across the intersection without yeah. looking, and I hit yeah. them at that moment. Yeah. But the mum of the guy who was who was almost died or still on life support came in and and you know said hello. But I remember her saying, "Oh, you know, my my father just died or something, and this is all I need now." And yeah. and I just felt this kind of guilt, you know, like somehow I was responsible. And fortunately, that guy pulled through. I, I rang the hospital, you know, over the next week, just yeah. checking in, and, and he pulled through. But. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it was just a, a culmination of a lot of things in that moment um, kind of drew that those words out of my heart. You know, I wish I had died. Mm. And I'm certainly glad I didn't die, but and I could have. I mean, it was pretty intense accident. So, um, But then that, that sped up my spiritual journey, right? Right. Because as I, I went home, I had a week at home just recuperating. Yeah. Laying in bed and, and just getting better but I remember you know at night just going over in my head you know for the first time because when you're young you live forever right mm-hmm. but I just started to say to myself well what would have happened if I died yeah who would I have been uh, where would I have gone would, would I have continued in some form of existence you know I was into new age spiritual stuff at that point so I thought would I be reincarnated who would I be well then who would my friends and family be to me then and I was going through all these deep questions and and really and then starting to get a sense of fear like well you know because I'd been hearing about this message and I thought well what if there is a God you know what 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 would I have to say or what you know could I stand before this God or and this was so it sped up that that search you know and a near-death experience I guess um, not that I literally almost died, but technically the the impact and all that, it, it could have been the oh, end. Of course. It was a full-on accident. Yeah. And then that um, that hurried up my, my quest and my search. Yeah. Um, how much, uh, how long afterwards did, did the, uh, it was a, almost a moment, right? Uh, yeah. A, a, very, a, a very acute period of time where there was there, yeah. was there was a shift right yeah it was about six months after that right right yeah. so that started like when well you do, your friend had already um, yeah i was already hearing about this i was, I was asking had, questions already, yeah i was, uh, found I was reading things i'd been to a striper concert or yeah. was listening to this music and um and then after that um yeah that's when things kind of i guess i was more serious and more sobered yeah. about these questions yeah, yeah. I, know, I know the way you meant sobered but did you was this also the time when did you did you start to stop you know taking the mushrooms and the, no. and the pot you still carried on with that yeah. yeah and I think post that I had a couple of really dark episodes oh like you mean bad trips almost yeah yeah okay, okay. like really scary yeah, yeah where just please let this end oh, but it wouldn't end the worst yeah so I did you talk to anyone about that no, not really. Samantha was, you know, not, well, you've already said the relationship yeah. where he wasn't. Yeah. <coughs> was a bit fraught sometimes. No, I was I kind of, you know, as I said, I'm a bit more of an introvert, yes. so I keep things to myself. Bobby or up and... Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, isn't, isn't that, 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 that's, I mean, it's 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 interesting, the, the arc of this story just today, and uh, we've spoken already about, you know, the foot in 
both camps in certain aspects, but you've got the buttoned up, almost sort of uh, Anglo-Saxon kind of British with your dad. And then you're there, yeah. like, it's the Maverick Martis, kind of the Greek. Yeah, the Rastafarian. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, who's to say what's better or worse? It, it isn't like that. But uh, we sometimes have to be aware that the, that the silent people are really battling some things yeah. and bottling it yeah. all up. Definitely. Inside. And unfortunately, it sounds like you've got that bit more from the your dad's side. Yeah, I think so. I, I must say on the on the Mavromatis, the Greek side, there, there, there has been a melancholy strain through yeah. that family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know I won't name members of yeah. the family, yeah. but I saw it in my mum. Yeah. There's kind of a, a bit of a, a dark streak or a yeah. melancholy yeah. That's, that's been on that side of the family. Wouldn't, wouldn't it... I'm, I'm sure somebody's thought of this before, but quite like literally, it means black eye, right? You know, which Mavromatis, no, yeah. which often I think can mean you put the hex on someone, the black eye. But yeah. wouldn't it be interesting if it yeah, actually it was, interesting. you know, like if you were called um, like Baker, Sam. you were you were a Baker once. You yeah, remember, you came from Bakers, you know, and black eyes, like uh, you know, they're literally black, yeah, but, but maybe dark or dark, you know, you know sad eyes or interesting, right? Like, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe you know, because. I mean, my goodness, we only know a tiny bit of what the genome's about. And uh, yeah. there's, you know, I think most um, most of us would accept that there are things that are passed down yeah. through, our, through our lineage, right? Yeah. And, that, that, and that's interesting that you, you've, you've noticed a, a, a tendency to the melancholic in, yeah. in those family, which, uh, you know, isn't as hard as it probably is, it, it isn't always a bad thing because from melancholy comes great, great emotion and art and, yeah. You know, um, interesting. Um, okay. What have we got next? Uh, we got, I uh, know this, this was someone I absolutely had not heard of. Someone called Keith Green. <laughs> and I apologize. That, I don't know if we have to uh, listen to this whole version, <laughs> but it's 11 minutes, but, um, we, we might. We've yeah. got. To, we're going to a gig later on tonight. Yeah, sure. Let's not forget. Um, so we. we <laughs> that sounds like. To a that sounds bit. like me not saying what I really mean. Which, if you want to listen to all eleven minutes, we absolutely will. No, listen we to. don't need to. But I should say that Keith Green had a bit of a similar journey. So he came oh. from a, um, well, no, a child prodigy musician, and um, you know he's a brilliant pianist and f- kind of that falsetto voice that he has. But but he had a, a conversion probably in the sixties late 60s, um, early 70s, yeah. part of the kind of hippie Jesus people movement in the US. Yeah. And, um, and then he was Hold really... Wait, 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 the, the hippie Jesus... Yeah, so, you, so the, Jesus people, it was kind of, there was the hippie movement, right? Right. Uh, so free love and... That was more the, the spiritual Buddhist Yeah, thing it, was, usually, it was everything, it? Was, really. Yeah, it, was, it was LSD and yeah, it was whole, free love and whatever else you want to throw in there. But then there was a, a kind of a sub-movement, a, a, you know, it's much smaller, but like called Jesus people. Oh. So like the hippies who, who then kind of follow Jesus or oh. came to know Jesus. And, okay. Uh, so he he kind of came out of that. It was a lot of in, in California, kind of east, um, west, coast, west Coast. And um, yeah, I think uh, then a lot of music stuff. So Bob Dylan got hooked up into that at, at one That's point. That's right. That's so right. he had his yeah. couple of albums where yeah. uh, I think one of them was called... Um, uh, what, some of the songs like he did Saved Slow Train Coming you got to serve someone so he kind of got into that that Jesus people side of the, the hippie yeah, movement yeah. and Keith Green um, was one of the the sort of forerunners of contemporary Christian music in America yeah, okay. so it was only just really starting and 
Um, and again, it was a big deal for a lot of the churches because they, you know, a number of churches kind of said, well, rock and roll and, you know, this music, it's of the devil. It's, yeah. And then other people said, hang on a minute, music's just neutral. Yeah, you know, it's what, sure. what you yeah, do with it. Yeah. It's what, what you're, you're projecting with. your yeah. stuff onto. onto um, and so they said, no, we, <clears throat> we can play this and we can yeah. enjoy this music yeah. and, yeah. and uh, we don't have to have the whole um, peripheral lifestyle that yeah. seems to be packaged up so often with it but uh so keith green had his kind of sort of road to damascus experience and then started to write you know heaps of music albums he was one of the Mm. biggest selling artists at the time in in christian music and i mean keep in mind currently i think this is like 10 years old now but the the gospel music industry in america is is many times larger than the whole music industry in australia yeah sure like it's huge yeah yeah um and uh and yet he died at 28 he oh. went up on a on a small plane flight with two of his children or maybe three yeah you said three three and um his wife and his young daughter were watching oh. and the plane went up and just crashed within a couple of minutes and there was also a family on board a mum and dad and six children as well everyone um, died they all died so it was, he was 28 and they they were on the cusp of this huge ministry happening and he was touring all over america and, and even over the world and and at 28 it all just that was 82 yeah. i think about 1982 just come to end so when i started my my own journey i read his book he wrote a, a biography oh. before he died yeah. not a biography kind of his journey is 28 what's his, he, his story yeah. uh, how he came to christianity yeah and and he's probably to be fair i mean he's, he's in the the realm of, of being a really full-on kind of evangelical charismatic kind of christian um and could we call him fundamentalist or, or is that that's a, how he'd be viewed right, okay, from a secular okay, perspective okay, yeah okay. um and some christian um, wings too but yeah uh he was very passionate and very uh and some people saw him as a bit of a prophet because yeah. he he spoke a very strong message to the church oh, so he oh. he was quite um quite fiery yeah in, in the way he spoke to okay. the church. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. it's interesting that, you know, that when we spoke about there certain, and I understand to be certain, I suppose, conservative segments of the church being off put by the metal kind of thing. It, it, there's a fundamental, not poor choice of word. There's a, uh, there's a, you know, a, Oh, it's a self-defeating aspect to that, isn't it? Because, as I understand it, I mean, one of the one of the tenets of Christianity is is the, is the good news, right? It's, it's yeah. spreading the message, and so surely anything that spreads the good news, yeah, uh, is a good thing. I mean, it's about s- yeah. s- uh, bringing Look, people into the flock. Sure. Yeah. Then there's some parameters around that. I mean, there was a group. Um, I think they were called the Worldwide Children of God. It was kind of a bit of a cult uh, back, back uh, in the Jesus people time. Yeah. And they used to do something called flirty fishing. So they'd, they'd get huh. women to kind of flirt with guys to, to share oh. the good news with them. And so there, there's there's some points there at which, you know, mainstream Christianity says, well, actually, that's, that's too far. That's disingenuous. That's manipulative. The honey trap, the honey trap yeah, side the of... Honey uh, trap. So, I didn't know there was a honey trap in Christianity. Um, so they were considered more a cult. Um, so they weren't <laughs> mainstream, but... What's that? What's that? What, who are they? I doing? think it was the Worldwide Church of God. Oh, man, I've got to Google that one. Yeah. Armstrong they, might like, have been the... Not that this matters at all, but were they really attractive women? I don't even know. That's a good answer. I'm not sure what the stats are on that, but... Just just so you're clear, that was an attempt to <laughs> entrap you. Entrap you. 
Good answer. Man, you were quick. It was like, sure. <laughs> you know that some of your congregation will listen to this, almost certainly. Well, look, you know, I, I'm an open book. <laughs> so, But I... Uh, I God. And they I can find me, you know. Yeah, no, no, the Baptists no, no. can find me. They, they can call a special church meeting. Quite literally, and they toss can, me out. Yeah, it's well, like like the old kind of um, town hall meeting. Yeah, like they get the, they get sixty six percent, then two thirds. You're and gone. Yeah, I'm out. This house gone. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, this we're just kind of tenants here. You know, so, I mean, they quite they quite literally can walk ten meters and find you. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I was say there's a similarity in our job in some ways in that you you, you can never be completely off uh, because there's always somebody uh, metaphorically about to lift up their, their top and go, you must get this all the time, but you sure. never look at this rash, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. think I've ever done that to you on purpose. <laughs> now you're going to though, right? I might. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the, uh, the, the um, you must get this all the time. I'm yeah. sure you hate it, but, yeah. you know. <clears throat> I'll do it anyway. Uh, I'll do it anyway. Um, gee, we just got off topic a little bit. Yeah, um, so Keith so, Green. So, so Keith, um, um, so, so uh, I'm ashamed that I've never heard of this guy. He sounds like he's enormous in certain... Yeah, yeah. And he was a bit of a pioneer. So a lot yeah. of a lot of artists since in this genre, you know, look back to him as... Right. And, and he had a falling out with the industry because it was just getting going then. I don't know if you ever heard of Amy Grant. Was she I, some, I did, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, so she, she was yeah. in that era, right? Um, she was one of the first gospel kind of pop. Yeah, um, she, Amy Grant, had a a song on a soundtrack album to a film. Yeah, so she went, she crossed over um, yeah. later in life and yeah. sort of went into the secular music scene more and, right, and so right, forth. Right. But at the time, um, Keith Green was adamant that Christian musicians and gospel writers shouldn't be deriving these large incomes from their because right. this was a time when albums were being mass produced oh, yeah, and, they're, they're making millions. and you've got hundreds of millions in America yeah, or wherever yeah. it was at the time so he, he was very adamant that no we're, we're kind of pastors almost yeah. where we shouldn't be and he, and he saw some some gospel artists, you know, making millions and, mm. and kind of living that lifestyle a bit. And he was very against it. Right. And um, and, and fell out with, with a number of them over that issue. And so they plowed all their profits back yeah. into their ministry, which right. was genuinely helping. Because of his Yeah, on, helping right, people, right. druggies, homeless, whatever. They just yeah. had this real grassroots yeah. ministry and everything went back into that. Because that's a tricky thing for... for um, for the church to navigate sometimes, isn't it? This, um, I mean, because, you know, everyone, the most godless people have heard about the whole camel and the eye of the needle thing. And, yeah. um, um, and, and then, then, um, you know, basically that, what is it? This, this, this idea that essentially, um, you know, and this isn't, this is absolutely not, I'm about to demonstrate my ignorance again, but you know, this poverty is piety almost, you know, yeah. like this, yeah. you, you know, if you, if you, um, Poverty mentality. Yeah, like it, you can. It's, it's easier to be closer to God if you're without the material trappings of the yeah. world. Is essentially, I suppose, what I'm saying. But and yet, in America, especially, yeah. Um, and without wishing to upset anyone listening, you know, Billy Graham was an industry, right? Um, yeah. Look, he's probably one of the the, the more reputable ones in as yeah, much as yeah. the Billy Graham Foundation submitted their all their finances to you know right. audits and yeah, yeah. they set up accountability things. So he was very good with that, but. Um, many of them aren't yeah. and we call it in the church circles the prosperity gospel uh, so it's the the message of Jesus bundled with the American dream yes right. so you right. can have eternal life and, right. and, and know God loves you but and also 
God wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy and wise in this yeah. life. And wealth and comes into the America uh, yeah, in a very, very much so, in a very unselfconscious way. It's completely, and I'm just about, just to be clear, I'm about to generalize about 300 million people. Sure. Here, but it's completely okay to set up your stall and go, I want to be rich. In, yeah, in, in, it's in applauded and yeah. celebrated. Yeah, I mean, billionaires and they're, it's it's the American dream. Yes, that you can yeah, make it. Make you can it. start from humble yeah. beginnings, and, and so yeah. they there's a there's a positive there. You know, there's ingenuity and entrepreneurship yeah. and hard work, innovation, yeah. hard work, yeah. and yeah. you can make it yeah. if you really want to have a go. Yeah, and and that just gets bundled up with with the message yeah. of Jesus yeah. as, as a package. Yeah, and um and, and in many ways, um, you know, we we see it a bit more clearly. But each culture kind of has its imbalance or yeah. different ways it will kind of distort that message. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we did, we've done religion and America and money. So yeah, uh, that's uh, all the, we're, 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 we're doing well here. Um, we do politics. We'll be doing Yeah. Let's, great. let's, let's crack on with that. Um, but Keith and, and sorry, I'm just looking up. This is, this is f- called the prodigal son suite or it's from, yeah, the pro- so the prodigal son is is a famous story that Jesus told. I know that one. Luke chapter fifteen. I did not know that um, in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, Rembrandt did a beautiful painting of it somewhere in Europe and uh, capturing the scene. It's yeah. it's sort of part of the imagination of the West. I think the idea of the wanderer, the the one who's wasted life or time, or yeah. uh, can have a second chance, yeah. can yeah. can turn around and. Yeah. Jesus told this story, and in its day, uh, was quite a scandalous way to portray God. Yeah. So God was not someone waiting to uh, condemn and judge and destroy the prodigal son mm. when he came home. Mm. But instead, Jesus said God was like a father who ran to meet the son. Yeah. Now, in Middle Eastern culture, I mean, you get that today in some cultures, we still have honor killings. So yeah. if you... If you give the family a bad name, yeah, if yeah. you sh- bring shame to the family, oh, yeah, my word. Yeah. Uh, you you must be yeah. punished and yeah. sacrificed. So this son <coughs> brought great shame to his family. Yeah. He left home, yeah. he, he demanded his inheritance, yeah. and he lived a wild life and squandered it, and he brought great shame on his family. And most people would have thought, as Jesus told this story, when's he going to get it? Yeah. When, yeah. when does justice when does come? come? When yeah, this, yeah. When, when is yeah, this yeah, coming yeah, in yeah. the story? Yeah. So on the way home, I yeah. imagine everyone would have been waiting, oh, this is great. So yeah. the father, they're going to beat him to Finally, death here. This guy's they're going to take him yeah. out and stone yeah. him to death. He has shamed that family. And he had a good, didn't he have a brother that did all the right things as well? That's right. The older brother stayed home. Um, but he shamed the family. He deserves to die. And yet this story ends with bring the best robe, put it on my son, yeah, kill, you the, know, fat kill the fattened calf, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. celebrate. He was lost. Yeah. But he's been found, and yeah. the older brother um, is symbolises the self-righteous religious yeah. mindset, yeah. which is, well, I've done the right thing, yeah. you know, I deserve this, I've reward? worked hard, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and this son of yours, he's squandered your wealth, and yeah, this but, idea that you're doing something for a, a reward, not yeah. for the purity of the of the thing That's itself, right. and the the message of the gospel is a message of grace. So it's not that we've done anything to deserve yeah. this love or yeah. favor, yeah. but it's given generously out of the nature of God. So Jesus tells this story. This song is is a is a is a creative telling of that story okay. through music. Okay, um, and we could listen to it just a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I mentioned this sometimes. <clears throat> um, I, th- I think I alluded, I alluded to it b- before. In fact, today, just before with, with you as well, that um, you know that laziness uh, that that people dismiss, you know, whole sections of music or, or, or whatever, you know, like, yeah. you know, and just um, and it's my hypothesis that um, you know, especially musicians, um, you know, that that. That may not be my thing, particularly that that may not be my thing. Um, you're not a huge country fan, but you may hear, uh, you know, a drum sound in, in a country song or a guitar solo or and, and go, you know what? 
it, it may not be my thing, but but yeah. I appreciate the um, the talent, the you know, some yeah. even if it's a tiny aspect. I think so, and uh, I think that's art again, isn't it? That yeah. For whatever reason, we we look at it and experience it in different ways and yeah. different levels. Yeah, and and, and have an open mind. Um, yeah. I mean, so. that, that, and I, I don't know if I got Christopher Cross right, but it very much reminded me of, uh, yeah, of definitely. that pure voice, that really, yeah. the guy had an incredible talent, didn't he? Yeah, no, that's Rest true. in peace, man. Gee, what a, what a, uh, the, 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 the story is almost too horrifying. To, yeah, uh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And what you said, uh, you know, about his, well, say, because that will be edited out, but what you just said about his, his wife and. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, she. Oh, you mean the plane crash? Yeah. yeah. So she she wrote in the book that um, her, so her three younger children and him were on the plane. Um, it took off and then they were watching from the the strip or whatever and then it went down in some trees, you know, 500 yeah. metres away and she, she ran with her oldest daughter as you would as a, as a kind of a reflex action yes. and then halfway just stopped and said, what do I want to see? You know, that's not how I want to remember, you know, my children and my husband. So... That was that was it. Yeah. It's just just oh, it's heavy, horrific, heavy. Um, right, okay. Um, so that so 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 Keith, um, did you did you say how? I don't think you mentioned how you actually discovered him. Was he big in Australia as well? Or no, it- I think it was that was a point where I'd I'd come to faith, and I think someone gave me You're right a tape or something, yeah, and yeah. and then I bought. He had like two box sets two, oh. two by two cassettes of of his whole kind of career it was kind of ministry yeah. years one yeah. ministry years two yeah and so you're talking you know 50 songs or more so it's and, quite prolific uh, yeah, yeah yeah very much so and and so that that became to me uh, a way of just uh hearing and understanding more of this this faith yeah. this message yeah. and um yeah, so I think there's a tradition in, in the in the Christian world of of we would call some music we would call it ministry. It's oh. a it's a way of oh, of uh, uh, you know um, helping healing. Um, you know, music has a healing component, yeah. and uh, you know, I mentioned the Psalms earlier. Yeah. You know, 150 of them, and put to music. These are are ways of speaking to the soul of of bringing deeper understanding yeah. of, of faith of yeah. God. So um, it's not just music for entertainment's sake, um, sure. and uh, it has a deeper message or a deeper purpose yeah. to communicate truth yeah. and uh, to um, to help you understand faith more yeah. more fully. So I'm gonna I'm going to take a guess then that that. For that reason, certain songs, music, bear repeated listening, going deeper into it. You can, yeah. It's not like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that one enough now. It's like, no, you can get more yeah. from it each time. In a sense, you said it before, with Striper, it's almost like a sermon uh-huh. put to music. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a homily, a yeah. message. Yeah. And, um, you know, Keith Green, 
he, he had this fiery kind of approach and, and he was quite angry at the church a lot because yeah. he came in as an outsider. Yeah. Actually, kind of like what I did. So you identified. Yeah, so identified. Right. He came in as an outsider yeah. and was, was misunderstood, yeah. was, was, you know, not really accepted in, in many quarters. And, and he kind of looked at the church and saw self-serving middle-class you know, <laughs> people. Right. And, he, you know, right. one of his songs, for instance, you know, that it starts off... Uh, do you see, do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? Yeah. How can you be so uh, numb yeah. not to care yeah. if they come? Yeah. So he came with a sense of, hey, this message of love is for everyone. Yeah. And what are you doing, church? You're just, you're asleep in the light. That was another yeah. one of his songs. Right. You're, okay. you're asleep yeah. in the light. Yeah. You're dead. Yeah. You're just given up on yeah. what you're supposed to be doing. You're meant to be helping and healing and yeah. blessing and showing the love of Jesus to the nations. And you're just sitting there in your middle class comfort. So yeah. he had this fiery edge to him. I always loved the story the Pythons told, you know, and talk about, talk about something that upset the church, but you know. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I, we can talk about where you sit with the life of Brian, but I love when, and, and you know, I think I'm right in saying that they're all, if not atheists, then certainly, you know, um, not not observant, not, you know, they're secular, and I would, I would hazard a guess, you know, atheists. Yeah. And yet, they said along the lines of when they came to write, <clears throat> you know, basically a satire, it, it, they were very clear that it, that it was, it, it, very, it became very clear to them very quickly that it, it was to be a satire of religion and not of Jesus. Because when they looked at it, they said, you know what, he's, it was a pretty good guy. And the things yeah. that he was saying, were, you know, you can't, um, you can't fault him for, for the goodness yeah. of the bloke. Um, what we were doing yeah. was taking the piss out of religion. Yeah, and that that's happened a lot. Even Dawkins, you know, yeah, he, he'll, yeah. he'll parody the Bible or yeah. uh, you know show contempt to Christianity. But yeah. I've never really heard him, you know, go to town on Jesus yeah. or what he said because right. it's very hard to right. to argue with you know love your neighbour. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I mean, you, you know, could take Jesus to or those John, who hate uh, you, yeah, you know. John Lennon, or you know, yeah. all you need is love and, and so, basically be a good person. Yeah, I. <laughs> You know, I was thinking as I was driving, I was thinking, oh man, it, um, it, partly because of my ignorance, obviously, it's it's hard to uh, to think that going deep into or trying to go deep into religion will be anything other than superficial in this format, in this in this discussion yeah, that sure. we had in this interview. But then again, I also felt, and, and it's a little bit like the what I said about bullies before. Uh, you know, I'm just. I get a bit fed up with people kicking uh, Christianity. Um, you okay. Know. And Stephen Fry is one of my uh, heroes, if you like, in terms of his writing and his yeah you know, his 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 persona. But I get a bit fed up with people shooing it into in, into Christianity. You know, so the question that comes from that, because it's not about me, is um, <laughs> do you get fed up? And does not you can not that I'm expecting to speak to the whole for the whole of Christianity, but. Obviously, there's the turning the other cheek and, and, and yeah. that stuff, but it must wear a bit thin, right? Yeah, look, I think some of it's of valid and, and deserved. I mean, you know, the, the church should be critiqued and um, people should be scathing on it mm -hmm. when it's failing mm -hmm. its own message. So I don't have a problem with that. I, I get concerned that 
your average punter at times yeah. who's watched a bunch of YouTube clips right. of Dawkins and right. Fry and right. Sam Harris and, uh, you know, um, I get the concern that they're, that they're never going to give it a fair hearing yeah. or yeah. or understand, even just from a cultural historical perspective, yep. that you might think this is nonsense, you yep. might not believe in this, you yep. might find it funny that people believe in it. Okay, but... You know, you're afforded so much of the life you live and yes. enjoy in the West yep. because of the theology and worldview of this thing that you're parodying. Yeah. Even the fact that, you know, the Python crew could do Life of Brian right, right. in the West. They were allowed to do it. Just just imagine yeah, if they're yeah. in Saudi Arabia yeah, and, and yeah. wanted to do the life of Muhammad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're in a culture that affords them freedom, yeah. freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of expression yeah. uh, to parody yeah. the very thing that I would argue that has actually afforded a lot of that freedom yeah. to this culture. Yeah. So that, that concerns me a bit. And some people have suggested the West is, is a cut flower uh, culture. It, it, uh, the, the, the root and the bulb is, is, in, in large degree, not only you've got kind of you know Rome, Greco-Roman influence and other, yeah, sure. but Christianity forms a, a major pillar and root of this culture. Yeah. And people like the flower, the fragrance of you know caring for the poor and everyone's equal. I mean these these things didn't just fall out of the sky. No, They're not right. universal truths that someone found somewhere that they came from a person they came from jesus of nazareth and um and people love that but the sense for me is well if you just get rid of the the kind of the roots yeah and and just push it away will you will you still still get the flower or have you kind of cut it off like we, we like the fruits yeah yeah but we're we're kind of just chucking the rest away so i would say to people the baby with the bathwater almost yeah just yeah, give, give yeah. from a cultural historical perspective understand the influence and the basis of your culture yeah. without having to be a believer you don't have to accept the claims of jesus or you know that's fine but at least just from a civilization perspective understanding yeah. your history and culture yeah don't be so quick to parody it. Um, yes. Try and understand it. That's a, that's a great answer. And, and you know, the, the one word that I, I picked out of what you just said was, was understand as well. And, you know, it is, it is so easy to, to take a very superficial recycled, uh, you know, to the, to the worst example of that being social media, you know, driven um uh view and and not not just of religion but you know of of anything else you care to mention and it actually it's it's rewarding i think but it takes a bit of effort to i mean you've studied these things deeply you know you haven't you haven't sort of said okay i'm a believer and and that's good for me you know there's always already been multiple instances in in our discussion today where you've referred to the fact that you've taken the time to really understand something sure um and I think that's I think that's so important. You can you can sneer all you like um, uh, at anything. That's part of a free society. But kind of you know, it's a, take the time to understand something at yeah, least. Yeah, and I would say that to Christians as well because right, 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 right. you know um, <laughs> yeah. the, the tradition 
comment. Uh, Jesus was a was a rabbi. Yeah. He was a teacher. Yeah. So Judaism comes from a, a very lo- long line of of intellectual teaching, yeah. of of theologizing, yeah. of philosophy, yeah. and um, and the Christian Church through the ages. Although there's been lots of um, you know dark times, you know, there's also been great highlights of intellectual attainment that still impact us today. I mean, the reformation of the yeah. 16th century, Martin Luther, John Calvin. I mean, the ideas that, that, that were born there or recovered, as they would say, yeah. are still part of how we understand ourselves and yeah. see the world. And they, they changed the world. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned, um, you know, the the Renaissance and all of the amazing works yeah. of art. And there you go. The, yeah. That we all benefit from. So, yeah. Okay. Um Oh, okay. Yeah, beautiful. So I, I loved. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna quote you um, uh, word for word um, about what you what you wrote about Handel. Uh, brackets 1741 because I just I just love this because I guess it kind of. It, it, I, I didn't mean this to to be a sort of tidy segue, but it kind of goes into understanding and the way that you know that history um, has reverberations. Um, how many albums of today will be around in say 300 years this one will be and is a triumph and high watermark of western culture and history sublime and inspired are apt descriptions I couldn't have possibly written that mate you were you were inspired (laughs) (laughs) you were you surprised yourself (laughs) (laughs) maybe you were channeling yeah sure Um, so so when I when I made your your playlist um uh, I, I found and, and and a couple of my friends and people I've spoken to have, have, have asked for classical pieces and uh, it's tricky because often people fall in love with a particular rendition of yeah, you know sure. it's this is this orchestra uh, conducted by Andre Previn in 1981 you know yeah. uh, whereas you didn't um, so this is your chance is there a particular um, no I, th- I think it's been fairly standard yeah through through the ages yeah. um the last 300 years or so yeah 300 yeah. i i actually went to the mso melbourne symphony yeah. orchestra yeah. saturday night and oh. heard this in the Messiah, uh, melbourne recites uh, hamer hall, oh, hall. Right. so there was the place was packed wow. you know there was a whole bunch of people yeah. it's funny amanda and i talked about it like basically sitting there listening to the bible to music right. <laughs> So if you if you said yeah. to someone, "Hey, we're going to a concert. We're going to listen to the Bible put to music." Yeah, that, yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. it's all scripture. It's right. just lifted from the Bible, the whole of Handel's Messiah, and uh, put to music. So it's it's the story of of Israel, of the Old Testament, the prophecies about the Messiah, the birth of Christ. You know, his death, his resurrection. It's it's basically the Bible to music, and there were a bunch of Westerners. I looked around and thought, you know, how many on the stage would even believe? You know, maybe ten yeah. percent of yeah, the. Yeah, sure. There was one hundred and fifty with the choir. You know, looking around, there was you know at least maybe two thousand people. Who knows? Probably, let's say the stats are ten percent. You know, yeah, yeah. believers, yeah. but there were ninety percent of people there then, or whatever, who have maybe no religious conviction or affiliation sure. but there they were yeah. listening to this yeah. they paid money yeah. to go and hear the bible put to music wow and the um, scale of the ambition I mean what you just imagine that you know Handel gets up you know he's just had a row of his wife it's raining it's Monday I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to take the Bible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that 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 little pamphlet, that easy to get your head around thing, yeah. and I'm just going to set it to music now. Yeah, I mean the ambition of that. 
And did yeah. you say that he'd not? I, I think a, it was about a week, oh. and and he'd been sick, like on his deathbed. He'd oh, been yeah, very ill. Day, yeah. And so, uh, it's just. Do you ever feel like an underachiever? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you just oh, made like, me. You just made me. Feel look, like he had, he had a good week. Let's give him that. <laughs> he had one good week. I mean, everyone says they're busy, but that's a busy week, yeah, right? That is a big week. Gee whiz. Um, Okay, and what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, 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 that's what I was going to say to you. So I'm guessing uh, I mean, the version that I, I found, and this is kind of what I was getting to as well, uh, let me see, uh, London Symphony Orchestra I picked. Oh, good, that's the one on my iPhone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, but they sing in English, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing it wasn't written in English. Oh, look, I don't know. Obviously, one of these strange birds. I think he was living in, in London yeah, there was when, a few when he wrote it. I th- I thought, so it may well have been written in English. I thought Haydn was one of those Anglophile cats that... that right. But, but I think he... Oh, I'm showing myself in ignorance now. But I'm pretty sure Haydn was a, 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 a hundred and something years later. But okay. Yeah, right. So maybe he did Maybe he did. I think English. so. Huh. Yeah. Because there's something about hearing something in, in, in Italian or Latin that's... That yeah, I, I think... What, was he German Handel, Frederick Handel? Sounds so, it, yeah. But he, I think he was definitely living in London at the time. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Huh. Something else for our... I'm sure it's been translated. I'm yeah. sure it, into many languages. Yeah. Uh, but this version... Um, and, and Oh, yeah. And uh, so, the, is, is it the movement? For, un, for unto us a child is born. Yeah, it's a particular... It's, it's kind of a quarter of the way in, maybe. And, mm-hmm. and this is kind of your Christmas story. Yeah, it was, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but it's also uh, from the prophet Isaiah from 700 years before Christ. The, the prophet Isaiah... It's, it's a long book in the Old Testament and uh, sort of foretold of a time when a child would be born yeah. who would um, huh. who would bring salvation to Israel, oh. who would be a, like a saviour, Messiah figure, because the, the Messiah is Jewish. Um, it's a Jewish word, or Hebrew word, Hebrew Messiah. Word, yeah. um, so it's the anointed one, the king, the, yeah. the special one. And Christ is the Greek rendition of the Hebrew so Jesus oh. Christ, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah or oh. anointed one. Huh. Yeah, so your name is Christopher. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's Christ bearer. Um, yeah, actually. the fellow that went across the river. Jesus got very heavy on his back and he still struggled on. Is that all right? Oh, I'm not sure about that part. It may well be. Oh, St. Christopher, yeah. yeah. Um, but Christos, yeah, that's the anointed one. Yeah. Um, and so Look at me. this is telling the... The, rendering that prophecy, saying it's been fulfilled now in the yeah. birth of this this baby, yeah. Jesus, um, yeah. unto us. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Um, what, while we're listening to this, we'll. Oh, actually, I don't want to upset the recording process, but we we will have to check if if handles. Uh, maybe you can Google it on your phone. We've got a. We've got a. Because if the, if he's German or if he's not, we've got a, we've got to work that one out. We All need right. we need the facts. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
That was nice. Um, and Amanda doesn't have to stay out of the room, like I said. We just met your beautiful wife, Amanda. Uh, didn't meet her. What was I trying to say? We just <laughs> greeted her. <laughs> greeted her. That's right. That's right. Um, but no, I'm, 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 and I'm glad we just we spoke a little bit uh, about that. Um, about that uh, situation that sometimes we both find ourselves in, where uh, you know, innocently, I'm sure most of the time, people. Yeah perhaps uh, just want something from you, whether it's an answer or a time or attention or anything else. And, and it, it yeah. does become hard. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I made a joke about it, but the, but the point stands that, um, you know, in certain roles in life, you're, uh, you, you sort of almost have to be ready all the time for yeah. those conversations. Right. Yeah. And being a pastor is, um, it's a hard thing to explain it. It has a lot of aspects, depending on the church you're in. Like we're, we're kind of a smallish mid-church. It's probably about... Sorry to interrupt, but, yeah. but just to... When we walked around the church earlier on, sorry to... I, yeah. I, I, it's very rude of me, but but I wanted you to just, in terms of definitions, you remember I was asking you about... like So you talked about minister, pastor, and then I asked yeah. you about priest and vicar and where they all... Yeah. The, the terms, the, just to clear up some... Yeah, so look... Um, oh... It's hard to summarize, but the different denominations, basically his church history in, in 30 seconds, 2,000 years. So <laughs> there was the church for 1,000 yeah. years, yeah. East and West, yeah. Constantinople yeah. and Rome. Yeah. It was the church. Yeah. And there was a pope uh, and so forth in Rome. 
And then in, in about 1000, year 1054, I think, the church split. They had the Great Schism, yep. and it split into the East and West. So you had Eastern Orthodox yep. and, and Western, um, the Western Church, Latin Church. Yep. And then in the 1500s, Martin Luther came along, a Catholic monk, and he had some problems with the Catholic Church where it was at, and it split again. Mm. So you had Protestant and Catholic. Mm-hmm. So now you've got Orthodox, Eastern, Western, Catholic, Catholic and then protestant and within the orthodox there's there's the there's the coptic there's the russian yeah there's, there's different the, that's right they they have um they have it's kind of tied to ethnicity you have greek right, orthodox right. coptic orthodox yeah. russian orthodox yeah. serbian orthodox and so forth that's right yeah. and so the church splits catholic and protestant and um protestant comes from the word protest they protested oh. against oh, the catholic I love, hierarchy i love stories like and that. it changed big time and uh but then ever since the protestant church kept splitting yeah so you've got right. you know, the anglican the presbyterian the, yeah. the scottish presbyterians yeah. the, then the baptists and, Baptist. and then in about um the turn of the century the 20th century early 1900s you get the pentecostal movement starts mm. as a poor among poor black people yeah. and inner city people, this Pentecostal revival movement starts yeah. in the early 1900s. And that's now become, I think, the third or second largest group of Christian denominations in the world. And this is out of the southern states of the of Yeah, America. I, I think it might have... Um, I think it might have been Chicago. Oh. It, it kind of happened in different, different stages. Yeah. Uh, and so you get that whole Pentecostal, then the charismatic movement started in the 60s, yeah. which was part of the hippie movement, Jesus people. And so you've got those major strands, and then within that they have different ways of ordaining leaders and Catholic priests are, you know, called celibate, and they, they train and they're ordained by the church, and the church then says to you, you know, Ocean Grove Catholic Church, here's your priest yeah. for the next however many years. Yep. The Baptists, where I'm a pastor, we're, we're low church, we're congregationally governed. Yeah. So the power and authority in the church is with the congregation, right. not with a bishop, mm-hmm. not with the pastor, not with a hierarchy. So when I was called here, um, the church talks to several pa- candidates and they eventually you know, say, Nick, we want you to be our pastor. Mm-hmm. And then I you know, go through a process of, of discernment. And, and, th- and when I said yes, then they go to the church congregation. And say we want to present um, a candidate. You know, here he is, and here's all the details. And the church votes, mm. on, and they have to get seventy five percent of the members oh. in favour. Wow, that's that's a that's a fair majority. That's right. To say yes, we will accept <coughs> uh, Nicholas to be our pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within the Baptist Church, we we have ordination as well, which is a, a kind of a, a more detailed intensive process of of being readied for pastoral ministry and and i did that so it's four years of study did a bachelor of theology an advanced diploma of ministry studies it's like a double thing yeah a lot of formation you have to do student ministry and yeah and then they basically say at the end yeah we think you you know are meant to do this and it's a fair apprenticeship isn't it and uh, you're, yeah, it is. Yeah, and you're in your mid twenties, yeah, mid late twenties when I started. Yeah, and when did you uh, when did you finally get your flock to tend? Was that that was well, I was tend- student minister in the nineties, so yeah. I was part time in a small church, yeah. and then my first position as an ordained minister was uh, about two thousand, I think. So you're thirty. 
in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole 99 to 2000, your, your, your party days were gone, unfortunately. You didn't get to yeah. tie one on. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no you didn't miss much. No. Um, okay, so that was then. How does Essex and Chelmsford fit into Well, um, I got a call, I got an email actually yeah. from... Uh, in, in the Baptist Church, we have a union, so it's like a central body, huh. but it's a consultative body. It doesn't have authority to tell churches what to do. Yeah. Um, it's a very democratic situation. It is, yeah. It? So, and and that that came out of you know even to understand the history of that just briefly, it came out of a group of people in Europe and England. This is the Baptist. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. it's kind of the, the nonconformist movement. Yeah. So they they you know Martin Luther went so far and said to the Catholic Church. There's no Pope in the Bible. Yeah. You can't tell us what to do. Right. The people should be able to read the Bible. So he translated it into German, yep. uh, into the people's language. Oh, from Latin into... And they tried to kill him. Was he martyred? No, no. He, he survived. But he? He, they tried to kill him, the Catholic Church. I bet they did. Because they thought it... Um, a desecration to yeah. take the Holy Bible yep. and put it in the language of the people. Because everyone kn- knows that the, the Latin is the uh, the language of, of God or whatever. Yeah, that's wow. right. And interestingly, the Bible was written in Hebrew in and Hebrew, Greek. So yeah, it was just rubbish. So, no one pointed that out to the so no, But it gave them control, you know, to a lot of wow. peasant, ignorant people. Yeah. They went to the, the liturgy. They didn't know what was being said. Yeah. It was so then yes. suddenly people could start to read yeah. or hear the Bible in their own language. Yes. And, um, and that was very powerful. But then the nonconformists, like the Baptists, went a step further and said, you know, the state can't compel us to believe. Uh, so the German, you know, the Lutheran church happens. And if you're born in Germany under that time, you're a Lutheran. You know, you're part of the state church. Right. And they said, no, hang on. Um, you can't baptize us as infants. We, we need to decide for ourselves. So they... The, the Lutherans, Luther's followers, actually persecuted the early Baptists, the Anabaptists, oh. and even killed some of them, like drowned them, because yeah. Anabaptist meant rebaptize. Right. So when you're a child, they baptized you and said, yeah. you're a Christian, you're part yeah. of the church. The nonconformists said, no, 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 it's up to an adult to decide what they want to believe, right. and the state can't force you to believe. So that's that's why they're they're feisty, the Baptist tradition and the the, the low church nonconformists. They're feisty about authority and hierarchy. Oh, I'll remain remain that one. Yes. So so the, the the England thing came up when the closest thing we have to a bishop, which is just a regional pastor who who has a, oh. a, a an oversight of just supporting pastors in a sure. region and a bit more experience. Yeah, helping churches yep. um, in a consultative way. Sent me an email and said. There's a position in England. They're looking for a pastor for a year. They're struggling to find someone. Would you be interested? Ah. And at the time, I was, I just resigned from the church I'd been in. I'd been there for about six and a half years. Mm-hmm. Went through a kind of a rough year towards the end. Rough how? <clears throat> and well, the senior pastor got ill mm-hmm. and um, went on sort of mental health leave, yeah. depression, yeah. kind of collapsed really. Um, and I found myself, then the youth pastor who was full-time, he left right. about the same time. Oh, yeah. So I found myself suddenly, the guy that everyone was saying, Nick, we're praying for you, and uh, you're doing a great job. Uh, and I'm like, I didn't want this gig. You got thrown <laughs> I, the hospital I was, Yeah, and my role there was yeah. I was the worship music pastor. Wow. So I took care of all the, the music you'd studied, teams. You'd, you'd done that small study that you did as well. Yeah, right? that's right. So, um, And then all of a sudden I'm like, 
the ones meant to be holding this fort together. And I was thinking of going at that time. Right. So I, I ended up staying another 18 months and things settled down. But I, I just resigned. This email came in and as soon as I got it, I read it. And I had like this, like this charge sort of electricity go through me. I had yeah. this sense of, this is for me. This, this yeah. is the next step. And a sense I, of possibility. And well, I was just convinced that yeah. this was what we were going to do yeah. in that moment. Oh. It was, it was really, um, really this, strong. This is 2009, 2009. And I told Amanda that night, yeah, yeah, yeah. we had how this did, huge argument. How did that conversation go? She freaked out like yeah. England, how are we going to go yeah. to England? It just, what, what was, what was Amanda doing at the time? Uh, she's doing her art kind of business that she does. Wildlife yeah. artist. And the most beautiful. Yeah. She's quite paintings and drawings. Yeah, and she's had her own, music ministry as well yeah. so she's over the years been around churches singing and yeah. and speaking um but i i just kind of left it and, th- and in my own mind thought well if this is from god so the conversation went over dinner look amanda i really think we should move to chelmsford no it was no. in the car on the way home and oh. I, I think i, I might have even been at night actually before yeah. we went to bed that i got this email and this opportunity and, and i think it's a great opportunity i'd love to do it and did you reply before running it by your wife no i hadn't replied okay, um, okay. so then i gave it a month and i oh, in okay. my own mind i kind of said well uh if if this is what i'm meant to do amanda's going to have to come around and, yeah. and be on board yeah so i just gave it a month and eventually she came to me one day and said, you know, I've been thinking about this. I've been praying about this. And I think this is the next step for right, us. And right. I'm in. Oh, but then we had great. to apply. So it oh, wasn't, so it wasn't, wasn't like, like a deal. No, no. So I had to then apply for the job and right. had to be interviewed by Skype. Right. I remember, oh. you know, I had to do videos of questions to be played at their church meetings because mm. they had to vote, right, mm. to appoint a new pastor. Um, and eventually we were appointed and had just one of the best years of our lives. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it was wonderful. In my in my old stomping, well, just up just up the road from my old stomping ground. It's, yeah, it's I need brilliant. to confess here too, Chris, that oh. early on I picked up the, the cultural um, idiosyncrasies, and I think I used <laughs> Romford in a sermon once in a derogatory way, and it got a good laugh um, because I picked up that yeah. Romford had yeah, a bit it's of a, the dodgy, the, yeah, in a, in a very dodgy part of the world. It's so the I was dodgiest. trying to reference <laughs> a dodgy right. town in the Bible yeah. or something. I said yeah. like Romford, yeah, and um, right. it worked. So it's like a, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> no, I get it. It's like didn't mean it, to diss your home. No, 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 no. I diss it all the time. You know, uh, it's easy to diss. You know, um, it's got character. That's for sure. Uh, it's like someone from Geelong slagging off Corail or something. It's, uh, <laughs> and was it Baz Vegas? They used to call it. Was it Basildon? Baz Vegas? I think people used to call it that. <laughs> oh boy, I never heard that, but that fits. That's uh, although it's not bright lights and uh, <laughs> you know and stretch limousines. That's for sure. Right. Baz Vegas, yeah. Hmm. Now, funny you and, and also you know uh, and Rini's uh, lovely husband James. That's right. A, yeah, a, a Chelmsford boy. Yeah. Um, and and we we don't need to Google this, but if any of you want to get a sense of of um, of what we're talking about, uh, Romford and uh, Essex boys in general, you went into the heartlands. So um, very very funny. Okay, but it was a great time. Yeah, and we um, loved it. And and uh, you were sort of given somewhere to live over there. You, you, yeah, they called it a house yeah, in England, but yeah. in our terms, it was <laughs> it was shed. more like a studio apartment. <laughs> It was tiny. Yeah. It was a one-person kitchen, so Sp- you oh, had to like go in, open the door to get in, uh, and then close the door if you wanted to open the, the wow. fridge. 
It was tiny, but we loved it. It was very cosy. Uh, we've already said, though, that sometimes, um, you know, to uh, what is it? I think it actually godliness is next to cleanliness, isn't it? It's not holiness, but I'm, what I'm trying to say yeah, is that, okay. that um, a modest environment, yeah, potentially can put you in touch with with. Uh, well, it was a newish place. Oh. It was only a few years old, right? But it, they it called it a house, but we just, we would have called it a small unit, <laughs> uh, and and it was. But they did double glazing so well over there, oh. and. Uh, the whole boiler thing was upstairs right. and the heating, all the central heating. So they so it was warm. They really knew how to do, I like, love keep your, a place cosy. I love your positivity. Oh, yeah, it was great. And where we were, on the, on the, I went up for a walk first morning, woke up with jet lag, 5 yeah. a.m. Yeah. It was September, sun was shining through the window. Yeah. And I thought, I'll go for a walk. I walk across this field yeah. and see my first squirrel, oh. which was very exciting. Then my first uh, red robin. Oh. And uh, then I'm walking on this huge wall, this this fence. It went yeah. for about 500 meters. And then I, I come out into an opening and look, and yeah. there's a massive um, palace wow. there in, in our backyard huh. called, um, oh, uh, it was King Henry's. Like hunts, one of his hunting eight, lodges. Hunting, lo- yeah, but it was it was a palace. What was it called? Um, uh, anyway, it's gone. But uh, yeah. it's beautiful, fifteen hundreds, and it was oh. all forest back then. Yeah. Um, something hall that would have been new, special. New hall, or yeah, yeah. There, there, there is that. You know, yeah, I, I, I love my. I, I still get terribly homesick for my the play the, yeah. the country of my first twenty five years. But um, that ability to sort of come around a corner and see. Yeah, you know, it happened all the time yeah, over there. Yeah, an old building. So many places. Yeah, so many, so many historical sites. Yeah, and yeah. Saw my first Roman ruins in oh. in England somewhere. Well, Colchester's yeah. just up the road. That's an ancient. Uh, yeah, that's a Roman uh, town. Yeah, there's there's uh, walls there from Roman times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that. Um, I mean, quite rightly, you know us Essex boys get a bad rap and I don't include you in that I mean me Essex boys get a bad rap and Essex girls especially I'd be honoured to be but included as an Essex boy you're, you're, you're yeah. accepted I can anoint by the okay, way you a, can, you can ordain yeah I can ordain I can. <laughs> you have the authority yeah it's easier than the process you went through to, to, to yeah. get your no I like the sound your gig um but but it's uh, there's an awful lot of, of beauty. You don't have to go far out into the country there, yeah. and, it's, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, the if villages any, are delightful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, like if anyone is interested, there's a there's a show called um, the Detectorists that was that right. was made um, um, a few years ago, three series uh, with with uh, Mackenzie Crook, the guy that was in the office, and and uh, you know, it's the most beautiful. Yeah. beautiful vision of, of, of English countryside. And, yeah, uh, Constable Country. Right, I think it was just exactly. maybe into Suffolk. Yep, exactly, exactly, um, yep. And just, yep. I love that area. Yep, amazing. Beautiful. Because right? everyone, everyone knows Bath, obviously, and everyone knows Oxford and Cambridge and things, but yeah. East Anglia, where well, you're talking about, you know, Norfolk, Suffolk, yeah. and the top parts of Essex. Yeah, we loved it. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. West Ham fan? Did you get into the football? No, team? look, I, I adopted um, Wolverhampton. Oh, boy. Just because I like the name. I, Wolverhampton. You, know, you just, just like the wolves. Yeah, it yeah. stuck with me. So hey, you know who was on the uh, the board of Wolverhampton Wanderers? It might no. still be Robert Plant. Really? Yes. There huge, you go. I must have known something. Huge wolves. Fan. My first song choice. Yeah. But um, I think before then I was kind of maybe a Liverpool fan. But all right, all right, okay. But Wolverhampton was just a great name for a soccer <laughs> team. <laughs> okay. 
drawing a drawing a line under uh, under that. Yeah, um, we, 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 yeah, God, at, at, at the at the time of three hours and sixteen minutes, we're we're on to your seventh choice, if you can if you can believe it. Now I remember you um, telling me about this fella. I think the last time, or one of one of the right. probably yeah. one of the weddings you've officiated at for the family okay. recently. Yeah, uh, but I remember you telling me, oh, this actually it wasn't a, it wasn't at Luke's wedding, um, Luke and Lisa's wedding. It, it, it may have been the time before that. But I remember you saying, you look, you found I found this guy, and he's just yeah, make a big impression, right, Mark Wilkinson. Yeah. Uh, you just, I discovered this Aussie singer-songwriter at Salamanca Market in Hobart a few years back when he was busking. His melancholy lyrics and tunes speak to the low-grade depression and anxiety I've had over my life. Sorry, I just blundered into that sentence. Mm, that's and, okay. Uh, I hope you didn't mind me. No. Um, I was particularly struggling at that time and his music spoke a needed message to a deep place within me. Um, that's a pretty powerful reason for mm. for falling into a, a musical discovery yeah look um he, he's a lovely guy i've met him too actually he had two gigs here in our hall last oh, week oh. so he does a um right. a bit of a he did this touring around europe and australia where basically you could get him to come to your lounge room yep mm-hmm. and get 30 people 50 yeah, people yeah. so I, I had him come last year in the hall and it yeah. was just it wasn't a church event it was just me as yeah. a person hosting this event yeah, yeah. and uh, they called me up bitter in the year his manager and said hey we love the venue we'd love to come back and do a couple great. of shows i said love to have you i, I you know great help you out yeah. and he his crowd it's very interesting there's yeah. 100 people each night sold out mm-hmm. um 35 bucks a pop mm-hmm. you know so he's he's kind of quite known around that the place. good money for a, for a musician yeah, these days. Yeah, with his guitar and, and a PA. That's great. Good on him. But his crowd, he's got like ladies there who are hitting 70. Yeah. He's got, um, you know, young guys, uh, you know, slightly hipster looking with tats, you know. Yeah. A few young girls over here, a couple of guys over there in suits, you yeah. know, a lot of business guys. He just really? has this e- eclectic crowd. So these were pe- these were not people in your congregation? These no, were no, no, no. I, no one knew here. It yeah. wasn't promoted here. Yeah. It was all done online through his, <sighs> his channels. Yeah. We were just the, the venue. Our hall was the venue. Yeah. So it had nothing to do with our church. Yeah. Um, and um, But I remember talking to some people and um, – you know who who came to the gig last year, and yeah. we, we just had had chatted, and it's almost like this is universal sort of thing in his music that that just touches people at different levels, yeah. and um, and he's a very down to earth, very genuine guy. Um, How old is he, roughly? I'd say he'd be mid late thirties, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and and I think he writes a lot of his own experience and and feelings into his music. Yeah, so listening to him. It reminded me, um, I don't want to keep bringing things back to the no, Bible, please. but in, in the book of Psalms, which yeah. I've mentioned, yeah. there's 150. Yeah. The two main genres of those songs are praise yeah. and thanksgiving yeah. and lament mm-hmm. and sorrow. Yeah. So you'll, you'll have, uh, you know, Psalms which, which ask deep questions about life, you know, like, God, where were you when my world was falling apart? Yeah. You know, um, why do you hide yourself yeah. from us? Yeah. So you get this longing and, you know, one of the Psalms says, why so downcast, O my soul? Mm. Which was mm-hmm. a kind of a, you know, 3,000 year old way of saying, why am I so depressed? Yeah. So this comes through that music and, and his music, I think, he's not a religious person mm. uh, as far as, 
he doesn't have any faith. Um, it's kind of agnostic. But there's a searching and a longing and uh, a questioning in his music that, mm. that to me is like, like the lament psalms. Okay. It's putting human feeling and experience and not all of his songs are sorrowful, but it, into, with music and I think you share that experience when you hear it um, and again, back to transport, it takes you somewhere mm. or, or it connects you mm. with something in your life. Mm. Uh, and grief needs to be expressed and sorrow uh, and anger, they, they need to be released or expressed, you yeah. know, they can't be bottled up. Yeah, we spoke about how, how terrible that can be. That's uh, right. So. Did, did he, um, you know, either what you've inferred uh, from his song lyrics or from discussion with him, has he had uh, problems with depression and... Anxiety Look, I, I picked up that he's had some struggles mm-hmm. and he, he shared a new song last week and it was about addic- addiction. Uh, okay. And he, I talked to him about it afterwards yeah. and I, I said, you know, Mark, that song that you, you wrote, we had a beer afterwards with, with his manager, Tim and me, yeah. just chatting. And, and I said, it, you know, as a pastor, it, it kind of had an element of calling people to repent. Yeah. There was a song about addiction and uh-huh. just kind of, highlighting how ridiculous it is that i i would you know live my life like this and invest all this hope in that cycle in the bottle or or whatever it is the money yeah and and then he just kind of said in offhand sort of way you know it's a a bit of my own journey in that song so that's as far as as i got with that but what a a great i mean is gift for someone this talented to be able to express that in in song and you know to to presumably you know work through yeah from what you've said some of that th- stuff and i love that kind of um you know that, that way yeah remember we mentioned the end of the 80s there was kind of this you know cds were selling and, and there was money washing around the industry and when you look back in history that's kind of a blip you know musicians have always been yeah you know struggling often wandering you know you know almost the lower classes to be honest minstrels yeah. and the rest of it and and musicians now have increasingly had to become entrepreneurs and reinvent themselves. Yeah, and those, sure. those, I mean, in fact, the guy we're seeing tonight, Geordie Lane, um, is is very much cut from that cloth. In that, you know, he will play those parlor parties. I think that you, yeah, basically, which is kind of what we're talking about, I suppose. And you know, you have to have a strong social media presence, it's merchandise, yeah. and, and all power to them. Um, so it's the curse of the artist, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the longing to do what they love and yeah. uh, to express their yeah. art, yeah. but also to need bread but to, and but to shel- buy instruments or materials, right, you know. Right, right. Uh, and, 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 you know, you see it all over. People are having, to, musicians are having to go back to the old ways, basically. Yeah. Tour, play gigs. Yeah. Um, because they ain't making any money out of CD sales no. relatively. Yeah, and and he does that, and he, he's done quite well, I think, even with his CD sales yeah, just great. on tour and well, probably um, out of a yeah, yeah, pretty much. Suitcase, yeah, uh, here, here they yeah, are. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but I think also just the song that you're going to play, um, probably one, one part of my journey that you haven't asked me about, and I don't necessarily want to talk about it too much, but just to say that for Amanda and I, you know, one of our experiences as a married couple, we've been married 25 years, is probably 10 years ago coming to the realisation that we weren't going to have children. And um, 
you know, so playing into my, my general melancholy and anxiety in life, that, that's been a, a particularly hard, um, a hard um, basket of goods to be, to be given, you know, yeah, a, a suitcase of, of, uh, of sadness. And, and I think his music helped me probably a few years ago just acknowledge that and, and uh, just really uh, connect with the sadness or the disappointment that's, that was there around that issue. Um, and to, um, yeah, I think to be okay with that. that so that was the particular, uh, when, when you, when you spoke about, um, your low grade, as you said, low grade depression, anxiety, you're particularly talking yeah. about those issues. I mean, I did, I, I, this morning before I left, uh, you know, I was talking to Tina, uh, you know, your cousin and, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't show her or, or anyone else what gets sent back to me pro forma wise. And I said, I don't think Nicholas would mind me saying this to you. I said, look, I, I don't, you know, there's something, what am I getting at? I'm, I'm, there's, there's certain issues, um, certain parts of people's stories that are very personal and I'm mindful that, you know, I'm, I'm not out to sensationalize or, 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 or dig for these, these yeah. big emotional issues. But I did say to Tina that you wrote something heartbreaking uh, and I wasn't sure if we would even get to it. And I um, resolved, I think, to not bring it up unless you brought it up. If, 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 if I've made my, if, yeah. if, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, but, now that you have mentioned it, um, you know, it, it was just very simple and, and, and is often the way with, you know, the most beautiful words. It comes from simplicity. Um, and on a sentence, a paragraph on its own in your biography and talking about leaving Adelaide and entering into study, um, no children. And there's a world of pain in those two words. And I, I can't think of a more um, of a more terrible, simple, beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, well, well, there is, and it's a gift that keeps on giving in some ways. <laughs> you know, it's every um, every family get together, yeah, every, or even even around a church community. You know. Um, because churches are big on family sure. and, and kids and sure. they think that the Bible invented, you know, mum and dad and two kids, but family in the Bible was, was quite different, but the nuclear families, you know, kind of a big deal in so many ways. And, and so I think I get asked a lot if I go to a, some event with pastors somewhere or mm. everywhere I go, it could be three yeah. times a week, you know, I sit down at a table like, yeah, yeah. so how old are your how, kids? How's your kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just yeah. normal for people to think like that. Yes. And, um, and no one means any harm by it, but um, mostly now I tend to preempt it yeah. if I meet someone. Yeah. Like I talked to someone today who I hadn't seen for 10 years yeah. um, and um, I knew they had kids and, and I asked about how their wife was going because I knew her from yeah. 10 years ago and how, how's the kids and whatever. And then, you know, I kind of got in and said, you know, he, he kind of said, how are you doing? And I said, oh, yeah, good. You know, Amanda and I, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, we don't have kids. But uh, and then I just kind of went on. Yeah. And I, I just think that saves that awkward moment yeah. of, 
Yeah, so what about your kids or yeah. how old are your kids now? And, and It's partly your own hurt, but it's partly to save their yeah, embarrassment or that's something. right. Um, because it's just what people say and, and parenting is, is, you know, you're immersed in it. It's so much part of your world. Mm. So naturally you're on that level when you talk to people. Yeah. And, um, you know, for Amanda and I, it's been it's been coupled, I think, with, with the faith dimension. So it's yeah. there's... There's been at times a bit of a crisis of faith as well. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, why? Yeah. You know, that yeah. question. And there's no, there's no answer. I mean, on, on a human level, like there's where, where no one is mysteriously infertile. Yeah. So there's no, yeah. there's no medical reasons mm. Mm. with both of us mm. why we, we couldn't have children. Um, mind you, uh, you know, our, our thoughts are that Amanda's mum was prescribed this drug called DES when she was having miscarriages mm. back in the day. And, um, and it was, she was prescribed it uh, when, just before she got pregnant with Amanda. And um, at least the, the general sense is that it's not prescribed now. It's not used in the West at okay. least. Yeah, I've never heard um, And you read the sites and the research that is out there and there's a high incidence of DES daughters who never conceive. Right. And right. so, um, you know, we, we, we suspect that perhaps there's there's something there around that. But... Um, I mean, you don't want to be presumably, you know, though, that person, those people, spending your time having to research this stuff. It's not, you know... No. It's, it's not pleasant. Any of it is, isn't pleasant. I, I sort of... I feel like, um, you know, we were just talking about how people can be thoughtless... Uh, really, in, just in terms of the way you can be approached, and yeah. you know that just that lack of em- empathy or, or just situational awareness, you know. And there, there is a point where you sort of think, "Oh man, you know, I know you're not <clears throat> potentially you're not meaning to be hurtful, but no, I've, I've been in situations for a man. Or I think it's more acute for yeah, for a yeah, woman in this sure, situation. It's sure. certainly hard for me, but I think there's a bundling of of motherhood and womanhood that happens sure. that that yeah. you know that you're complete kind of thing yeah. when you're a mother and, yeah. and i'm not sure that's true even though motherhood's a wonderful thing but so we've been at a table at a wedding you know yeah. where i've performed the wedding and, yeah. and so the couple's invited us to the reception and we're sitting there at a table of 10 and you know someone across the table kind of says so amanda how old are your children you know, in front of everyone it's like can we now at this point hide under the table please because oh, it's just really awkward. And it's taught me, I, I never ask people when I meet them, I never ask yes. them what they do. Yeah. Well, number one, yeah. I never ask them um, how many children they have. Yeah. Because what, what they do, I think that, that implies that, that I care about their status yeah. or what they do, yeah. or maybe they're unemployed, maybe they're in between jobs. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to talk about it. So I don't ask people, what do you do for a living? Um, and I don't ask people, how many children do you have? Well, there's there's all sorts of examples there, isn't there? There's, there's um, you know, I'll, you know, where's your husband? Oh, yeah. Or actually, yeah, exactly. actually, I'm in a female relationship. You know, yeah. or, 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 or he died, or he, or he died, left or me, or he just yeah, or yeah. you know, any of those things. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that, and and all right, and weddings as well. Let's 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 be clear. People are usually drunk at weddings, and that that and that takes away. People's. I must go to different weddings. <laughs> I probably do. Uh, well, well, the ones that you I've seen you. Uh, oh, the family wedding. Family wedding. There's a bit of there's a bit of drinking going on, but you know that 
it does remove what some people have to begin with have not a lot of subtlety and um com- oh, you know uh, sensitivity, or you know, they just blunder forwards. But add yeah. add booze to the mix, and it's and it's like the perfect storm, isn't yeah. it? And people think then. I, I think the best thing normally to do in an awkward situation when a question is asked like that, just don't back it up with any more questions. Just, you know, like oh, so keep, did you guys keep, think about adopting? Oh my God. You know, or did digging, you try IVF? You know, or yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. cousin, you know, they couldn't have babies for yeah, ten years. Were, yeah, there's they hope were, still, yeah. or all of a sudden it's about them. We thought about yeah, adopting, <laughs> and um, and it's like oh no, we never thought about that. You know, oh my, um, yeah, um, I, so. you know, I, 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 um, whatever my own sensitivities, you know, uh, I, I. I get more offended for other people's, uh, you know, uh, for, for other people being the victims of, 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 of that insensitivity, you know, yeah. uh, it goes back to the bullying thing, actually, in a way, you know, that, that, that sort of, uh, oh, how could you just, just look at, and stop. you know, nine times out of 10, of course, no one yeah, sets out to, to open that or, yeah. um, but I, I think it's just maybe a lesson to to take more, so people accept them as you find them, yeah. and and maybe yeah, there's some other ways to connect that don't have to jump into real personal questions yeah, like that. Yeah, um, I mean, there's 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 a, there's an art to conversation, uh, yeah. you know, and 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 you and I, you know, as I've said, I you know, I, I feel like every time uh, we see each other, I just go, oh, thank thank. God, oh, you're appreciate there. that. <laughs> no, I mean it. I, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm, and I'm, I really mean it because, and Tina will back me up on this, you know, because, I mean, I can, yeah, I can do the, I can do the, the, the superficial chat and this and that and you know, the footy or whatever else it is. Yeah. I, I can't do the AFL footy, but you know, for me, I get so much out of talking to you. And if I know you're going to be in a social situation or at an event or something, I'm like, oh, great you know yeah thanks chris i mean i've said similar to amanda i think um i find it more exacting to talk at a superficial level Uh, i find it harder and and more draining to just stay at a kind of a uh yeah and you need to do that sometimes just different situations just have a chit chat that's fine but over an hour or something if i'm just kind of still (laughs) it's like um i'm sinking here you know So, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's even harder when you're sober as well, obviously. Cause, uh, yeah. You know, it's just get me out of here, isn't it? Um, not that, yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. But, so to, um, well, thank you for sharing such a personal part of your story. Yeah. Um, I think you and Amanda are just delightful people and, um, Maybe every, maybe maybe a few people listening to this will will just think twice before just sort of blundering around, uh, yeah, you know, and saying thoughtless things, not just to you clearly, but to to to, to yeah, I think so, and also I hope maybe someone will listen who it's okay to say it's really hard. Yeah, you don't have to yeah. be brave. Yeah. It's it's just a difficult thing. I, I sometimes liken emotional pain to an invisible amputation. Mm. So if, mm. if you were to see someone come back from the war yeah. and they're on crutches and they've yeah. lost a leg, yes. 
you immediately make concessions for them and yeah. you go, oh, the poor bugger, right. he's lost a leg. That's right. You know, and you're not going to say, hey, you know, Johnny, do you want to play footy today or whatever? You kind yeah, of yeah, think yeah, you are never careful, say that. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, because you can see it, but yeah. emotional pain, emotional woundedness is invisible, yeah. but I think it's just as real. Yeah. So you're talking to someone, you're listening to them, and they're a full able-bodied person. Yeah. But they've got an emotionally a leg emotionally amputated Absolutely. there, yeah. and uh, and that's why I think for me as a pastor, I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, "Don't judge one another." Yeah, he, it wasn't like, "Don't discern what's right or wrong," or "Don't call someone out if they're being an idiot." What mm. I think it was more like, "Don't don't evaluate a person based on your experience because you can't see, yeah, you can't see what it's like in their world to be them, yeah, uh, and so." Don't don't be harsh on them. Yeah, don't don't no. judge them because you don't know what that their invisible wounds are. Yeah, yeah they're, um, they're yeah. invisible. They've yeah. they've lost an arm there yeah. as a child yeah. emotionally, yeah. and it's not coming back. Yeah, and and I think it's okay to, to talk about things like this to say, yeah, it's hard, yeah. it's difficult, yeah. it's it's unresolvable. Yeah. That guy's not getting his leg back. Yeah. Um, and and that's you learn to live with it, and you learn to live um, through it. Um, but I think the hardest thing can be just feeling as though I'm suffering in silence or I can't talk about yeah. this. So, yeah, hopefully it might say to someone, hey, talk about it and don't feel ashamed. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Walking a mile in somebody else's shoes, right? Is that Yeah, the, pretty much. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I, I might have garbled it. I, I sometimes think it makes me not very fun at parties because I, I, I do tend to prefer that sort of, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, Jesus, please come not. Sorry, that's not right. meaning to blaspheme, but you know, uh, can't we just talk about something yeah. that is instead of sure. instead of that? Look, let's get to, and, and I'm guilty of that, you know. Uh, but not that you and I don't. No, we, we not all of our conversations have have been, you know. No, we, yeah, um, I mean, you don't. Yeah, there's also you can't stay too intense too no, long. That's, I mean. that's exactly it's what. Like, I give mean, me some air here, man. Let, let let me up out of the water, please. <laughs> Chris, oh, I, I met your husband, Chris. He seems like yeah. a nice guy, but. God, I came away feeling Gosh. exhausted after an hour of it. <laughs> Not at all. All right. Well, it, it, let's listen. Um, and, and I hope that that uh, you obviously have an ongoing dialogue with with Mark Wilkinson. I hope. Uh, I hope that you tell him about this interview. Yeah, and that oh, he, I might even send him a link. Right, that he listens yeah. to this. And gee, I'm hoping, Mark, if you're listening, you um, having heard what what Nicholas just said about what your music has done for him, that you that you feel good at, yeah. this, at this moment. Amen. Wherever you we leave from And hope the lonely compass points our way But I don't care, I don't mind I will walk this journey blind And stumble down this road I cannot change We carry on 
But ignore the rising dawn And try to dance between the branches and the rain But I don't care, I don't mind I don't feel what we may find As long as you're here to speak my name For the first time in years I feel my vision lifted from the fog First time in years, the blood inside my heart is filling up. The blood is filling up. So we face the gates with only fears and lost ideas. How the golden keys fall from my palm But I don't care, I don't mind I don't feel what stands behind As long as you were here to keep me calm For the first time in years I feel my vision lifted from the fog For the first time in years The blood inside my heart is filling up So don't leave my love in arms Don't leave my love in arms Don't leave my love in arms tonight So don't leave my love in arms Don't leave my love in arms don't leave my love in arms tonight For the first time in years Feel my vision lifted from the fall For the first time in years The blood inside my heart is filling up Coming through my veins now So don't leave my love in arms Don't leave my love in arms Don't leave my love in arms tonight don't leave my love in arms Don't leave my love in arms Don't leave my love in arms was just speaking to me about how this whole heliosphere heliosphere thing came around uh which i won't um it's not about me this is his interview but i will just say that um it's important to say that these 
our long form interviews um and 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 i was sort of from the earliest point i decided to do this i was i was clear in my mind that i didn't want to uh you know didn't want to truncate the stories that people were telling yeah. me and I didn't. And I, I and feel it, even worse for people now. Then <laughs> no, I've gone no, on man. this long. No, no, because <laughs> oh, that's Tina ringing me. Um, Hi, Tina. <laughs> uh, because because um, I, you know I, I'm not answering to anyone. There's no there's no one saying sure. you can't. There's no editor. Yeah, and in fact, if if people when people said that's a bit long, that kind of made me a bit more determined to just to just do oh, it. Fair enough. And also to give props to. Um, or to give uh, due um, compliment, to, to use a better term, uh, to a guy called Ed, a mate of mine called Ed, Ed Miller, who 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 you said you mentioned something about me doing the the editing down. Ed did the first season, right, and did a stunning job. Like literally go sat there, go yeah. Ed, sat there and listened to ten times four hours basically, and spliced in all the. That's music. a working week. That is a hell of a thing, right? Yeah out the goodness of his heart um, and Kim <laughs> Ed, Ed finally has to hold up his hand at the end he goes I love doing it but I'm not sure I can do it the second season because <laughs> uh, he's, 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 he's a doctor as well and he's he's, 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 he's got this new job and, and God love him um, but another mate of mine Kim has come on board to be the editor Wow! because the last thing that I should be allowed to do is be let near a mouse and a cursor and an editing okay. software program. Oh, that's not reflective in your medical practice in any way. Oh no, I no, it, it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm at all times people that know my hand just shakes. Yeah, well, no, not not so much that. More more steering me away from anything that involves computers. Okay, <laughs> it's a bit of a running joke at work. Uh, so inorganic matter. Inorganic, I'm is, good. Yeah. Okay. Bring me your bring unto me all ye who are heavy laden right. and need some rest. Okay. Have I got that right? Yeah. That is right. I'm quite the No, you're doing well. Thanks, mate. I'm dragons. Um, um, uh, but when it, yeah, uh, the human factors and uh, uh, this is this has been an absolute blessing um, today and in general. I should say, I've I've, I've loved our conversation today. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, and um, you know, I really and going back to what I was saying uh, about what I said to Tina before we came and about you know the more personal elements of your story yeah. and there's been some things that we've not even mentioned you know in your family history <clears throat> but um, I feel a bit like I feel in, in some respects you know with medicine and being a doctor you know I feel a tremendous privilege that, that you would share you know your story elements of your history with me it's a it's a tremendous privilege look thank you chris i, I think um i think stories uh are how we're formed you know we yeah. we're story people that's why we love movies yeah. and songs and art uh we, we we live in a narrative space yes and i think we all you know people read biographies or they they see documentaries about people and yeah. i think we're all um we will connect with That's right. someone else's story. And yeah, and you might not like what someone says or yeah. you might not agree or whatever it might be, but if someone's telling you, this is how I see the world, this is my story, this is yeah. what happened to me, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's as real as it gets, I think, Absolutely. isn't it? And Absolutely. it's, it's um, I think it's a way of a conversation that, that we all can connect with. Yeah. 
Because we all have a That's story. The That's the word for sure. Yeah. That, that connection, absolutely, 100%. That that connection, the connection between you and I sitting here at this table yeah. today, yeah. the connection potentially with um, members of our family and, and friends yeah. and, and complete strangers. Yeah. Who knows who, who might hear parts of your story yeah. and, and, and be glad that they did, you know? Yeah. Okay. No, uh, no prizes for guessing which book you picked. Nothing comes close to this choice. Yeah, I felt a little bit, uh, I don't know, I wanted to have something a bit more hip and kind of no, with it, but I went for the Bible. Yeah, of course you did. The Bible's actually not a book. It's a library. Mm. So it's 66 individual books uh, and 40 different authors, three different languages, yeah. written over 1,500 years. So the Bible's a library. Yeah. And uh, in that sense, it's a difficult book to come to because it yeah. has history, it has poetry, it has biography, yeah. it has you know all sorts of genres. I love that that little that vignette um, when you was, when you were talking about Martin Luther and um, uh, you know the the way that you know the the control over the words was was wrestled away from you yeah. know. <clears throat> the Catholic Church or, or you know the Vatican or, or the Pope whatever you want to say about it um, and, and what I was thinking of the time as well was that you know the uh, was it the Caxton print impress because you know it used to be that the, the Bible took a team of what, monks you know calligraphers yeah, to years copy. to copy and there was only a few copies so it sure. kept uh, the power yeah, you know, yeah, and indeed. then all of a sudden there was this print impress. Yep, um, Joseph Gutenberg. Gutenberg's print. That's right, fourteen sixty five. Yeah, it wasn't Caxton. Caxton's not correct, is it? Gutenberg was the. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what does Caxton fit in it? Anyway, maybe that was British. No, um, you, you're transcending my historical knowledge there. <laughs> but Gutenberg, no, spot on. The Gutenberg, uh, the printing press. And all of a sudden it was this egalitarian... That's right. Uh, yeah. You know, off into the world. Yeah, and f the fascinating thing is that the, the New Testament, the was written in Greek and uh, they there was two types of Greek at the time there was the classical Greek yes. and then there was Koine Greek uh, which is another way of saying common Greek yeah. so they, they had to choose do we write this in Shakespearean English right. or Essex Boverboy uh, <laughs> translation right so the authors Dang of the New Testament like the, the Apostles and the Apostle Paul yeah. they, they went now let's write it in the language of the people let's the, go the with common language let's go with Romford yeah exactly so yeah. then the church down the ages you know when it got hierarchical when Constantine yeah. gave it power and status yeah. and wealth and in the fourth century it it reverted back and said yeah. no but it was always meant to be in the language of the people isn't that interesting there's, there's this kind of you could almost you know you could you could draw comparisons with you know political movements uh, you know anti-royalist movements where you know there's a period where the power is held by the few um, yeah. until uh, the many, yeah. you know, rise up, whether it's in revolutionary France or, yeah. you know. History says that they will eventually. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> you know, if you think, if you're if you're one of the people yeah. that... look over your shoulder. Right, <laughs> right. Just watch out, you know. The yeah. next time you're saying... They're coming for you. Let them eat cake. Just, just remember who's eating yeah. cake, you know. Exactly. Um, all right. So we've got the Bible. We have got specifically a guitar, not just any guitar, but not your guitar. Maton. EM three twenty five C. Yeah, this is this is clearly a, a very important guitar to you. 
It, it was my first guitar was a, an Ovation copy. Oh, it was reasonable with um, the with the, the round back. back. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but then my my first real and and this cost me a thousand bucks in like nineteen ninety six. Pretty expensive um, then. Yeah, and it was on special. Wow. Um, so it was a big investment. Yeah, I was a student. And it's just a beautiful guitar. It's it's aged like a, oh, a fine yeah. wine. And um, 22, 23 years old now. Yeah, and about 15 years ago, I, I bought a second guitar, yep. a Cole Clark Fat Lady 3. Oh, yeah. And uh, Cole and Clark um, came out of Mayton and oh, went their own right? way. Yeah. Oh, and I told this to someone the other day, and they said, oh, do you know Cole and Clark have now left Cole and Clark? So I don't know oh. what they're doing. but so that, And that's a that was a beautiful guitar, very sharp kind of higher end cut through uh, lovely guitar that kind of trebly yeah sort of accent and I, I got to a point a couple of years ago I thought look I can't justify having two guitars here I, I went through one of those you know um, simplify my life yeah, yeah 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 so I sold I had to decide and I got the mate and refurbished um, new pickup and yeah and it's just it's just such a beautiful tone so I yeah. kept that sold the Cole Clark got a really good price for it to yeah. a a young Greek lady singer songwriter, and she oh, just fell in love with it. And great, so I gave that baby to her for a good price. And um, I mean, my the, mate. The, the fine wine analogy is 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 appetizing, isn't it? Because you know, acoustic guitars take a while, don't they? They dry out, mm. they open up, don't they? They become yeah. more resonant. They, they yeah. just get better with age. Yep, they do. And yeah. yours is probably coming into its own really nicely now. Yeah, isn't it's it? a beautiful guitar. Oops, there's my wife again. Um. She must have heard us talking about guitars. She's probably ringing me saying, don't buy another one. Um, uh, so what are we at? We, yeah, we, we might come in under four hours. We've got seven minutes to go. All right. So we're going to we're gonna jog through. Oh, we haven't mentioned as have well. Have mercy on the people. <laughs> Lord have mercy. We've got, and don't forget, you've got Nitrous Rockside. So the, the Bible, yes. you, you, not that okay. you would get tired of it, but no. like, it's like, this is a great story. Yeah. Same with all your music. There's a lot of blood and guts in there. It's a amazing. lot of blood and guts. Uh, but you're... An, I had not heard of this film. I, I looked at it. Babette's Feast. Yeah, look, probably not many people have unexpected choice. heard of it. Yeah, it's a little art house movie, Scandinavian. Yeah, I think the author was Karen Blixen. Uh, wrote this novel. Yeah. called Babette's Feast. It's yeah. just a fascinating story, and it's a story about a little um, devout fundamentalist, if you like. Yeah religious sect in Scandinavia yeah. who have this leader, this devout, pious pastor, and he has two beautiful daughters. Yeah. And um, uh, long story short, um, they never marry and the, the old man dies. They, they both have suitors during their life. The daughters are gorgeous, they never marry. Yeah, and they have suitors. That all the men fall in love with them, but because of their devotion to their father and his oh. austerity and his strictness, they they don't marry huh. and and then it kind of moves forward like forty years and he's died and they're now in charge of the the little flock yeah and they're the the leaders and these devout two women and they hire a housekeeper from France or she she rocks up in their village distressed and I think maybe there's the revolution happening in in Paris and ends up becoming their housekeeper huh. and uh, her name's Babette. And as it turns out, she was the the top chef chef in Paris at the top restaurant. Oh. This famous chef, yeah. And they have no idea because they they've lived this as austere life. They've yeah. never, yeah. You know, had any luxuries or anything. 
and she wins the lottery, Babette, the French lottery, and she gets this prize of 10,000 francs. Well, when's it set, this, this film? Oh, 1800s. Right. So there's a lottery in those days. Yeah, yeah. So she wins huh. the lottery, yeah. and and she asks the sisters, can she put on a, a, a banquet, a special banquet for yeah. them and the yeah. flock? Yeah. And as it turns out, one of the old suitors comes back. He's now a major general, and he comes to the dinner. One of the suitors of the two of sisters. The two, yeah, yeah, of the girls. And um, and she does this most, all the classical French cuisine of the time. And I was a chef, yeah. you know, for a decade. Yeah. So this movie, she's doing these most amazing classical French dishes, and all, she has all the wines and the champagnes, and, wow. and, she, and she puts on this whole feast for them yeah. and at the start all the sect members are very they're worried that they're going to be tainted by yeah. the devil and they, they don't want to be part of this and and as it they're goes, used to an austere existence that's right. right and as it goes on they all start to open up and things start to heal between some of them they haven't ah. talked to each other for years or this one did that and they start this healing kind of happens around the meal huh. and uh, and the major in the end kind of you know, he he says this this dish is is only well known in the top restaurant in oh, Paris. So she's still not identified. No, who she and is. they find out who she is at the end. Huh. And then at at the end of the movie, it's it's very it's very um kind of quaint in some ways. But but at the end, uh, the two sisters come to Babette. They've all packed up, and the 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 feast is finished. And and they say, well, we'll, we'll be seeing you now. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, because she's going to go right. She's got all this money. Right. And uh, she said, uh, but I don't have any money. They said, well, what do you mean? You yeah. you had the 10,000 yeah. francs. She said, well, a dinner at uh, La Maison, whatever it was in, yeah. in Paris, cost, uh, you know, 1,000 francs per head. Right. I spent everything I had uh, for this meal. And then at the very end, uh, she says this statement like, the cry of the artist is, is please give me an opportunity to do my very best. Right. And, right. Um, and, but it's, there's a there's a theological dimension to the sh- to the movie, and that is that this sect had kind of lost the joy of life. Right. They'd become so strict and austere that they they'd missed the joy of yeah. of what the gospel was. And and she embodies it in the meal because when she says, "I gave everything I have mm. for this meal mm. to you." Mm. She's in in effect becoming a Christ figure. Yeah. In the movie, she gave it all up. So. Sp- I, she I gave, gave everything she for gave you spiritually. She yes. gave of herself for you, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and the, and the movie kind of ends, so it's obscure. Yeah, but it's just this thawing of this uh, religious um, strictness, this self righteousness, yeah. just a thawing of it over the movie, and um, mm. and and grace comes into it. You know, they didn't deserve to have ten thousand francs spent on their meal. Yeah, and most of the people there had no idea what they were eating. But she gives and she, she just, blesses them. She gives everything to them, huh. and um, and that sacrifice, that's love. Uh, so I love that movie. God, there's so many layers to that. I, I, I was, yeah. you know, I, I I was thinking, why have you picked that? But that's, I can I can see at least five or six different reasons why you've why yeah. you've, why you've picked that. And presumably, it was put together well and acted well and 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 shot well. And all Look, that it's well. quaint. Is it early eighties or something? Yeah, I reckon kind it's of. early eighties. Oh, so it's a bit VHSy, and it's uh, yeah, it's all right. It's kind of four point three, you know. But it's it's a well made movie, and I think um, yeah, you know, it, there's no kind of cringy moments of acting or anything. So yeah. it's 
and it's in it, it, it's uh, is it in a, in a Scandinavian yeah, language? Yeah, so it's subtitles. Yeah, and um, it's n- Nordic in, in in the language. I I don't know which one, but yeah, yeah. Well, you're the third person to pick that. F- no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> sure, everyone picks that. Film. Yeah, that one again. It's like either the Big Lebowski or it's Babette's Feast. Um, I kind of think like, on the Monday morning, like, they've got to go back to the, the the bread and water. It's a nightmare. They've, they've now they've all been letting. It's like yeah. the Garden of Eden, and and all of a sudden. Yeah, but that, I think that's how it ends. But but grace has come to the community right. again. Right. So it ends. You know, they're they're out the front. The, the little flock. There's about ten of them or twelve, and and they're dancing together and singing right. and holding hands and. It's like love has come back to the community. Right. They so, had they had the yeah. law. They had the the husk of yeah. of religion. Yeah. And the, the the rules and regulations, or whatever. But there was no love or grace. Yeah. And she brought that back to them. Yeah. God, you, you can love God and still enjoy some of the fruits of of His yes. kingdom. You don't have to lead this austere. No. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Those. Uh, what's that? Oh. You know, those people that famously live very simply. It's, it's the Amish, sure. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> they do live simply. I'm sure they have lots of fun, but... Um, no, no, no. No, it's entered the lexicon. Like, uh, Or maybe that is as well. Are you, you know, they're a bit Amish. Uh, no, they're... Um, you know, that, that word that describes... Yeah, I can uh, see it out there. You know what I mean. The group yeah. it'll come. It'll come to me. The group of people that are um, yeah, it's kind of the, 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 the renounce all all comforts. Yeah. They live Spartans. There you go. The Spartans. Spartans yeah, yeah, there we go. I got there. And and I just there. finally on that, I mean, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. <laughs> right. So in in one of yeah. the gospels, the yeah. religious people, the yeah. leaders, the Pharisees, the the rulers, yeah. they come to him and accuse him of being a drunken and a glutton. Really. So that he was he was at parties. He celebrated. He, yeah, he okay. was someone who enjoyed company and, and yeah. celebrations. Right, the and, Last Supper, right? Yeah, um, and I mean that was a more yeah. more um, somber in, in many <laughs> ways. But it, but think, it was yeah. a meal. It was no, it was a meal. Yeah, I said the table, and, and so that's the Babette's feast as well. Yeah, the yeah. meal becomes a kind of a a communion meal. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And 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 uh, cycling back like the pro I am, um, you know, the, that Greek element of your family yeah. is very much like That's right. celebrate. You know, music. Yeah. Food, food. Food is is sacramental. Such a part, isn't it? And yeah. and it's not just a means yeah. to an end. Perhaps in the West, it's become more functional. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and we're we're much more hung up about food. But yeah. even the Vietnamese congregation that's part yeah. of our church community, they eat every Sunday yeah. together. Yeah. So they have a meal together. Yeah. And I think that's just as important for them as as worshipping and yeah. hearing the word the meal together yeah. embodies their community yeah. and uh, and signifies something really powerful yeah i mean add that to the long list of of um you know things that we can learn from other cultures right that's that's yeah. sometimes lacking in yeah. in in our yeah, very indeed. westernized situation okay okay so you're you're you're, you're your one piece of music that if 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 the if the six others went out the airlock you're you're keeping yeah and Messiah yeah, yeah. Mm. and we did we mention that we looked up I don't think we did you, we did a yeah. little search you, George Frederick who's born about sixteen sixty five was German was German loved most of his life in went London over. yeah yep. we, we nailed it we knew our we knew our uh, I think it was the century. fish and chips that drew him, <laughs> and the mushy peas. Did did we find out? Did he live in Romford? 
I think he might have gone through yeah. on a weekend. I think he did. Yeah. I I'm sure I'll, he drew lots of inspiration for his music. I think I've had a drink at the, uh, the the Haydn and Handels a couple of times. <laughs> Uh, quote, quote or proverb, whatever. At this point, you're like, you're all, yeah. I've said you're it. All. <laughs> uh, oh, now this is a this is a cracker again. Not one. I mean, I think you've just basically um, trumped every virtual reality vista. Okay. Uh, so you stick on your 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 you stick on your uh, goggles, yeah. and you and you and you look out at the Sea of Galilee. Oh man, that makes me feel inadequate. Um, and I've been on that sea. Have you? It's a large lake, really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, semantics, though, isn't it? Mm. Um, so that's good. So that's your happy place. Um, so you're, you're looking at, presumably there's not tons of activity here in a, in a human situation. It's more of a, it's more of just the vista, the beautiful. Yeah. And, and obviously, yeah. I suppose it ties in with yeah. the, the cradle of uh, that's right. Christianity, right? Yeah. Um, so much of the life of Jesus and his ministry happens around. Yeah the towns and on the Sea of Galilee, yeah. so or Lake Gennesaret, as it's yeah. also called. Uh, and be, I've had the privilege of going there twice. Oh. And um, it's it's very humble. There's a few towns around, a few little villages and yeah. lots of hills. And Almost, could, it, it, I, I haven't, obviously, but is it is it almost, you know, squint a little bit and it, and it looks kind of like what, what Jesus would have seen? Or is it yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Well, the ancient village of... Capernaum where Jesus lived um, they've excavated it uh, and you can go there and there's a third century synagogue excavated oh my goodness and they've dug into that yeah. and found the first century synagogue which is listed in the New Testament in the Gospels that's amazing so that you can look at those stones there and yeah. and kind of go well we know historically apart from any religious belief that that yeah. Jesus yeah. was here yeah. and, and he walked there yeah. and you know Low church Protestants like me, Baptists, we don't have a, a high view of place. You know, in terms of pilgrimage, we don't believe that there's, you know, anything magical about that place. It's just stones. Yeah. It's just a lake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but imaginatively, you know, because we, we would say faith is something that comes yes. from within you. It's not built on relics or yeah. that's where we sort of separated from the Catholic Church. Yeah. We're like, no, these, there's no such thing as holy relics, sure. you know. It's just faith, um, trust. But being there, it, just imagining, it was quite moving and yeah. um, and very special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm getting a picture, you know, I've learned an awful lot, not just about you, but about, you know, your, your, um, your faith, the church to which you belong in that sense. And um, um, I'm getting a picture of, of a very egalitarian uh branch yeah. Christianity if that's the branch yeah. of the term I'm looking for it's you know it's not sure. the it's not the swinging of the incense it's not the um, no the, the what, do you, what do you call the not idols because I know you're not supposed to worship icons oh, icons thank you yeah. it's not that the, the yeah. you know and I mean let's let's be honest you know great music and, and, and great architecture has been a tool of the church in, yeah. in the past but yeah. what I'm hearing from you is uh, the faith comes from inside and it's and it's yeah not, it's not a uh, dependent on those icons no and it's accessible to everyone it's a it's a universal message for all cultures all peoples and it's um it's a shame that you know the church has taken on the the trappings of hierarchy wealth and i have great respect for the catholic church and for the orthodox church and there's a lot of beauty and tradition and 
Um, but I, we would just differ theologically. We're, we're still, you know, Christians, we're on the same plate, yeah. you know, so yeah. Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants. Yeah. There's an edge there at some point where we say, yeah, that, that group's a cult. They're not mainstream. Yeah. They don't have the central tenets that we yeah. all believe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that the early church was an, an egalitarian movement. It, it was a movement that blew open the Roman world, yeah. which was hierarchical and yeah. class-based. Yeah. And it, it blew it apart eventually. Yeah. And it was a message that, see, we all take it for granted now. Everyone thinks, yeah, of course everyone's equal. Mm. But in first century Greco-Roman world, no one thought everyone was uh, equal. The opposite. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if you were yeah. a woman, you you were much less worth than a man was. Yeah. If you were a slave, well, yeah. you were much lower again. If you were a yeah. woman slave. And that was your place forever. Yes. Yeah. So it was hierarchical yeah. and life was cheap and, and you could be, you had no rights. And, and here we had this little group of people built around this message of Jesus of Nazareth who were going, oh, well, rich people and poor people and slaves yeah. and free and Greeks and Romans and Jews, we can be one. Yeah. We can be one. We can have unity and, and brotherhood and sisterhood because of this message, because of what this man has done. And that, that blew open, you know, 300 years later, the Roman Empire eventually kind of collapsed internally in that sense and Christianity became the yeah. the religion of the empire. Well, it was the first... And that I was, was the end, remember the that, first... That was when it went started to go bad. <laughs> well, yeah. Because then it got the end, power and wealth the end of and the Roman status. Empire, sure. Um, given by Constantine, and it lost its its grassroots kind of right the egalitarian suppr- suppression of the of the meek. Yeah, I, I, I've been trying to. I've been sitting here trying to remember the name of the the first Roman emperor who, um, I think on his deathbed, um, converted converted to Christianity and okay. and took his. Um, it took a baptism uh, as he was about to die. It's not, Constantine wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Constantine, was, as was far as I know, was the first Roman emperor. Roman, yeah, there you go. Yeah, King, yeah, so Const- Const- his mother was quite devout, and uh, he converted to Christianity, probably yeah. more for political ends. Oh, okay. Um, perhaps. <laughs> I was giving it a uh, Yeah, because they, you know, that, the Romans take any help they could get from any god that was sure, available. Sure, And this, this uh, Christ god seemed to be... You know, having some impact in the in the land. So it was a political imperative. Uh, I, so. Yeah, there's some of that, and, and so then the church got it got um, land and buildings yeah. And, yeah. and clergy and yeah. uh, status and wealth and power and yeah. and through the Middle Ages to the Reformation, that's when Martin Luther and others kind of kicked back and said, "Hey, we've got to get back to yeah. the the original message here." Yeah. And it's not about um, hierarchy and power and and wealth and status. Mm. It's about simple faith. And trust uh, that that you are loved and you are welcomed by God, and um, and you should treat others like that too. Nicholas, my friend, that sounds like a, a quick. Good, let the a people time. have a break. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good time uh, to finish. And I maybe the last time you have interview a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> no, you uh, you sell yourself short, brother. Yeah, okay. um, I uh, you know. I wanted to say I've said it already, but I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart. That was that was really quite the experience um, for me, and um, I thank you for sharing your time, your Thanks, house. Uh, Very welcome. It's a privilege and a great. Uh, I I probably didn't quite believe you when you said it could go for four hours and you have a great time. <laughs> that didn't quite you know gel in my head right, four hours right, of talking right, right. and it could be great but it's been a great time i've loved it thank and you. it's been uh, cathartic and um and great so thank you good on you mate cheers